Greetings and good evening to everyone. This is Cheryl. I'm so pleased to be here to welcome you to Tara on Rama's Friday night program, The Hard News on Friday. And Tara's right, it's been a long time since I've been on on a Friday night. But I'm uh, grateful to be here and um, covering for Rainbird. And we send our blessings to Rainbird and her family as they do the memorial for her brother this weekend. And we have um, a lot to uh, celebrate and focus on here this, this evening. Uh, we have the great full moon coming up on uh, Saturday night, the 3rd, here in Eastern Time. It is at 11.42 p.m., and it is the moon that's called the Great Attractor. And this full moon <clears throat> under Gemini slash Sagittarius, is also the Festival of Humanity, the Festival of Goodwill, also known as World Invocation Day. So we will be focusing on that and focusing on um, some abundance work and working with Master Elmoria, uh, who is overlighting this day. So let's go into our heart center. <clears throat> Going into the heart center, we call forth the full integration, emergence with our soul, with our higher self, with our monad, with our mighty I am presence, with all of our multidimensional being. And now we're ascending the blessings of the blue ray to us. <clears throat> so see it go in through and around you, in through and around your pillar aligning you with divine will, divine truth, divine power, helping you to recognize your divinity and to recognize the powerful being and manifester that you are. See, sense, and feel your pillar of light fully anchored to source and fully anchored to the heart of Mother Gaia. And we invite in everyone to join us in this work as we use this full moon and the attraction of this full moon and the energy of the Festival of Humanity to anchor heaven on earth. So we invite everyone to join us on a soul level through their I am presence. So join me in saying, I am my I am presence. As my I am presence, I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. I am one with every man, woman, and child. I am one with all my family members and loved ones. I am one with all that is. And we see everyone joining us across the planet in unity consciousness to do this work, to serve as the anchor to the new golden age the bridge between heaven and earth, and to be the open door that no one can shut. So as everyone is gathering, we call forth for everyone, all of our soul extensions, planetary and galactic, all of our ancestors, all of our genetic lineage, our ancestral lineage, all the generations past and forward, our spiritual lineage, soul families and soul pots. And we welcome for everyone, all of our guides and teachers, our healing teams, our beloved guardian angel, our beloved twin flame, our ascension council, our mission council. 
We welcome the assistance of all the kingdoms, the plant kingdom, the tree kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the animal kingdom, the diva kingdom, the elemental kingdom, the fairy kingdom, all of the kingdoms of nature, the whales, the dolphins, the unicorns, and all magical kingdoms. We welcome all the realms of the angels, from the angels and archangels through to the cherubim and seraphim. We welcome all of the ascended masters, the Brotherhood of Light, the Sisterhood of the Raisin Rose, the Order of Melchizedek, the Radiant Ones, all of the Enlightened Masters, all Divine Mother Emissaries, Divine Father Emissaries, all of the Planetary and Cosmic Hierarchy of Light, all Ascended Masters and Healing Teams. We welcome as well our friends in the Galactic Federation of Light and their Healing Teams, especially those from Arcturus and Pleiades and Sirius and Andromeda, from Chiron, from Venus, and from Lyra. And we welcome all cosmic, galactic, universal healers that can be of service and the assistance of the entire company of heaven, asking Mother, Father, God to overlight all that we do and magnify, magnify, magnify it 999 billion times, 999 billion times, all in alignment with divine will and divine law. And we call in to do this all of the rays, all of the flames, all of the universal laws, all of the ascension waves. And with every energy and frequency, every prayer and evocation, every blessing, every grace, every dispensation, every activation, we ask that it be received individually and collectively through every cell, chakra, meridian, layer of our auric field multidimensionally and on a conscious, subconscious, superconscious level. For one and all. And we ask to easily and effortlessly digest and assimilate, ground and anchor, integrate and embody these frequencies, the maximum that we can receive ever expanding to perfection with the greatest of ease and grace and joy and peace and bliss and ecstasy, serenity and tranquility, balance and equilibrium, without resistance on any level, without discomfort on any level without fear on any level, in love and light and laughter. And we invite Gaia to do the same, to receive all that we receive through her chakras and meridians and layers of her auric field. Multidimensionally. Through her ley lines and song lines. Through the grid system, the love grids, the light grids, the unity grids, all of the multidimensional through every portal and vortex and monument and sacred site, through every molecule of soil, molecule of air, molecule of water, through every molecule of fire, through every aspect of the earth and all upon her, as we continue up this amazing spiral of evolution, utilizing all of the energy around the Festival of Humanity, around this full moon, and every other single thing that people are focused on on the planet, using the attention, the focus of every man, woman, and child to be placed in our collective cup of consciousness to transform the planet, to bring everyone and everything to its highest frequency here this weekend with the greatest of ease and grace and joy and peace and bliss and ecstasy. 
and we give thanks for this opportunity to serve as we focus our energy on the Festival of Humanity, the third of the three festivals, the first one being the Easter Festival, the um, Festival of the Resurrection, the Festival of the Christ, and the second being the Wesak Festival in May, usually in May, the um, Scorpio full moon, Taurus Scorpio, and um, the big ceremony that we had last, last month for that previous full moon. And now for the full moon in Gemini, Sagittarius, this is the third of those three major festivals considered the holiest time of the year. And what the focus is, aspiring humanity toward divinity. The attunement to God's will at right human relationships. And I discovered recently that the 6-6 portal, that's Tuesday, is a wonderful time for healing relationships. So that's part of our, our three-day um, extension of the full moon energy. So we are here. We want to focus our energy on recognizing and honoring the divine nature of humanity, aspiring toward spiritual fellowship with all life. And this festival also represents the effects in human consciousness of the work of Watama Buddha, Lord Maitreya, all of the Christ energy, all of the energy that's been built up, built up over these other festivals. We want to utilize that. And this is energy of that first ray, that ray of divinity, that ray of perfection, the ray of divine will and divine power. Directly connected with Shambhala, And the blue ray is one of the rays that works on divine government. So we'll do a little prayer for divine government here today, too. So that's a little information on the Festival of Humanity, and we will be working with that both tomorrow and on Sunday's Ascension Meditation and Activation Call. So as we call in that blue ray of divine will, we're going to do the traditional prayer. We're just going to do the short version. I had already chosen the short version. We might do the long one tomorrow. Of the great invocation. So the great invocation is used on all of these festivals. So take a nice deep breath as we say. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of all. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love 
ministering forth into the hearts of all. Make Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of all, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the race of humanity, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. So be it, and so it is. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. Again, today, um, overlighting us is El Moria. So I thought it would be good to do something from the Blu-ray and do a little work. He's one of the ones that works with St. Germain on divine government. So we'll do a simple prayer for that here as well. In the full power and authority of the beloved presence of God, Goddess I am, we, the children of earth, humbly come to the throne of our mother, Father God. to invoke into the physical plane of earth the most intensified activity of God's will ever manifested in the history of time. We invoke the legions of light serving this blessed earth to absorb this divine essence into every fiber of their beings and project it into the heart flame and conscious mind of every person, especially each person associated with the governments of this planet in any way, shape, or form associated with the governments, the politics, and the policies, and all elections in each and every nation across this planet. Blaze the cosmic flame of God's will through each of these souls and clear away any destructive activity of their own free will which might rush in to try and impede their conscious desire to do God's will. Help them to become and remain obedient to the law of harmony, and to be God, goddess, in action at all times. Seal all governmental positions, individually and collectively, in the radiance of God's will. Reveal through illumination's flame the divine purpose and plan for each office and each individual, and give to each person the spiritual courage and desire to fulfill that plan perfectly. Let the will of God, Goddess, be manifest in through and around all the governments of the world now and forever. We're going to also invoke this. I'm going to add this right here and right now. That through the illumination of this full moon, that each and every person on the planet receives the courage and the desire to be their divine presence and to understand and fulfill their divine plan, their divine mission, their divine service. Let the light of God, goddess, that is eternally victorious, 
illumine and lead all humanity everywhere. We consciously accept this manifesting now, even as we call. So be it, and so it is. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. I know we do a lot of uh, abundance work at the time of the new moon, but since this is a great attractor and uh, it's good for manifesting, we're going to call in the energy of that full moon for the full manifestation and blossoming of our abundance individually and collectively. So as I speak for us all, I say in the name of my beloved I am presence and my beloved Holy Christ self, I call to the lords of manifestation, angels of prosperity, Fortuna, goddess of supply, and the Lord of gold to assist me now in mastering all outer conditions of my life in God's perfect way, including my true abundance. Charge, charge, charge into my life and use today all the blessings that are mine to receive. Infuse me with ascended master wisdom and purity that I may never again experience lack or limitation. Blaze your heart flame through my four body systems and expand without limit a great flow of divine abundance divine abundance, divine prosperity, financial freedom. Saturate me with enough violet flame and emerald healing light to keep my life in perfect balance and harmony. I demand God's invincible protection and wisdom in all my financial endeavors. I demand to become a magnet of attraction, drawing to me all the wealth that I require to fulfill my divine plan on earth, to make my ascension, and to assist all humanity to do likewise. I give thanks that it is done according to God's most holy will. I accept my abundance now with love and gratitude. So be it, and so it is. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. Take a nice deep breath as we call for a sandalphon Gaia to assist us to anchor all that we invoke. And Again, in the spirit of the festival of, of humanity, we're going to go ahead and do a decree from Patty Robles called I am, I am Co-Creating the New Earth. So let's say that together. I am co-creating the new earth. So as we call this in. We are manifesting this. See yourself 
sense it, feel it coming in for yourself and for all humanity as we speak for one and all at the level of the I am presence. Through the divinity pulsating in my heart, I consecrate my life now to the reestablishment of my divine covenant with God, Goddess. I clearly know and understand with my new level of divine consciousness that whatever I am thinking, feeling, saying, or doing, I am empowering, co-creating, and magnetizing into my life. From this moment forth, I dedicate my thoughts, words, actions, and feelings to empowering and co-creating the patterns of perfection for the new earth. I begin with me, but I know that simultaneously, I am a surrogate, serving on behalf of all humanity, for we are all one. As I am lifted up, all life is lifted up with me. I invoke the entire company of heaven to come forth now. Blessed ones, please assist me in this holy endeavor and empower these activities of light a thousand times, a thousandfold. Beloved Mother, Father, God, I am enveloped in the invincible protection of God's light and divine love as I sojourn through my earthly experiences. I am manifesting physical perfection in my earthly bodies. I am co-creating loving relationships in my life. I am fulfilling my divine purpose, and I am financially and creatively rewarded in my work. I am an example of divine family life, including my place in the family of humanity. I am fulfilling my divine potential as a son or daughter, a wife or husband, a mother or father, a grandmother or grandfather, a woman or man, as a friend, a relative, a co-worker, a steward of the earth, a teacher, a way shower, a light worker, and a co-creator of the new earth. I am a living example of divine love trust, integrity, honesty, tolerance, acceptance, and reverence for all life. I am able to listen, understand, and communicate openly and honestly with every evolving soul. I am effortlessly ascending into the divine heart and mind of God Goddess with every breath I take within the causal body of God Goddess. I am tapping into the divine guidance and the viable solutions that will assist me in fulfilling my divine plan and my purpose and reason for being. I am open to the divine guidance of my I am presence and the legions of light in the realms of truth. I easily communicate with these beings of light through open heart and mind telepathic communication. 
I am one with all life. And I communicate openly with the angelic and elemental kingdoms as well. I am daily and hourly fulfilling the immaculate concept of my divine plan and the divine plan for beloved Mother Earth. I now invoke the full gathered momentum of the violet flame to transmit every thought, word, action, or feeling I have ever expressed in any time frame or dimension, both known and unknown, that would in any way interfere with or prevent these patterns of perfection from the new earth from manifesting tangibly in the world of form. I am the immaculate concept of these patterns of perfection now made manifest and sustained by holy grace. Again, repeating with me. I am the immaculate concept of these patterns of perfection now made manifest and sustained by holy grace. I am the immaculate concept of these patterns of perfection now made manifest and sustained by holy grace. I accept that these patterns for the new earth are victoriously manifesting even as I speak. In God, Goddess's most holy name, I am. And so it is. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. And so, my friends, I thank you for joining me in this invocation work on this special weekend of this um, great full moon, the Festival of Humanity. And I invite you to do the Ascension Meditation Activation Calls, do the service work every Sunday and Monday evening with us. Join with us on the teleconference call. We begin at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.45 p.m. Pacific Time. And we have about 25 minutes of greetings, and then we have Tarn Rama come in for a brief update. And then we begin our work of bringing heaven to earth, starting at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific Time. Each of the calls is unique in its work. And so we are going to be working with um, Amoria. We're going to be working with Lord Buddha and Kuan Yin as the masters that we're working with for the seven sacred weeks, <clears throat> as, long as, doing, as well as doing our Festival of Humanity on Sunday. So that's a little preview here. The phone number that we recommend using is area code 480-660-2224. Again, that's 480-660-2224. The access code is 946-7441-POUND. 946-7441-POUND. And we invite you to be a regular part of our our uh, team of manifesting heaven on earth. And uh, I wish you a wondrous, wondrous 
full moon weekend. You can use the full moon to manifest, to attract what you desire, your deepest heart's desires are connected <coughs> to this full moon, as well as peace on earth and love and goodwill and humanity toward all. So now I'm switching hats here, and we're going to cover some housekeeping information. And so um, at this present time, we know that this is a... Um, a sponsored uh, radio broadcast by each and each and every one of you. And um, currently, the amount that is due to BBS Radio, um, we have 202 towards 326 for this week's program. So um, there is another $124 that is um, still owed for this week. And so we would love to have that covered and beyond. And, of course, as we um, always do, we wish to um, support Tarn Rama in their expenses. And generally they need $200 a week for food and gas and for all of their household expenses. And as always, they are great, very grateful for your assistance, very grateful um, for the abundance that you share. Again, remember, it's a lack if you feel like it's hard to give, <laughs> but we do our best. We do our best to go ahead and um, and share our abundance on all levels. Specifically, they do have some bills coming up on the 4th and the 5th, the Verizon bill of about $160, and the internet bill, uh, about 150 So that's about $310 that they need in addition to their regular 200 for expenses. And so we wish you to go into your hearts and to see what is yours to share. And we uh, encourage you to do so in different ways, but, um, many different ways to go ahead and uh, donate. So I have everything up in front of me, too. And, um, you know, you can donate to the Hard News on Friday, the True History on Saturday, and also uh, a Night at the Round Table on Thursday. But um, I'm on the site. I'm on the BBS radio site. I'm going to give you the, um, the uh, what you would need to look at is uh, bbsradio.com forward slash hard news on Friday. Maybe you're on listening at this time. But if you go to the donate button on that page, it will go directly to the account with BBS Radio. It will take you to PayPal, and you can donate from there. You can use your credit card, your debit card, whatever you, whatever you use, and donate directly to the program, the radio station. Um, it goes directly to them, and you can cover the expenses of the radio program there. Same thing on the Saturday, bbsradio.com slash the true history. And there's a donate button right there on the left, 
underneath the information about the the program itself. And this helps cover your, the radio expenses um, because this is an audience-supported radio program. To contribute directly to Tarn Rama, it is best to go to rainbowroundtable.net. Now at the top there's a donate button, but I'm going to give you, you can go directly to that page if you to type in rainbowroundtable.net forward slash donate hyphen one. And it takes you directly to that donate page. Says at the top of the page, giving is receiving, and that is so true. And right where the heart is on that page is the donate button. And it takes you right to the PayPal. Okay, because that going through that website takes you directly to the friends option. It's a donation. So it doesn't get counted as a business. So it's a donation. You look for the heart, press the donate button, and you can use the PayPal there. Again, if you don't have PayPal, that's not a problem. You can go ahead and use your bank card under under at PayPal for anything sent. And we so appreciate all of your donations, all of your gifts, all of your blessings. But it's best to let Rama know that you've done so because you don't always get a notice from PayPal. So let Rama know that you've donated and how much you've donated, when the gift was sent, by emailing him at Koran, K-O-R-A-N as in Nancy, Koran9999 at hotmail.com. You can also send a check or a money order or um, in any case, sending it to his physical address. Let me give you that address now. Please make it payable to Ram, R as in rabbit, A, M as in Mary. I know I like to (laughs) hear what it represents, but most of you know it's Ram D. Berkowitz. B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z. And that address is Post Office Box 280-280. Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, New Mexico. And the zip code is 87567. If you're sending something physically, I'm going to make a recommendation. I just got a package that someone sent with angel blessings from Washington to Detroit, Michigan area in two days. It wasn't priority mail. But I was told that the person gifting me sent it under the guidance of Archangel Michael and Lady Faith. Sent that Blu-ray around it getting goosebumps, as I tell you, sent that Blu-ray, and it got there in two days. Amazing. Angel mail, for sure. So that's my my recommendation if you're sending something physically. So, again, please go into your heart center and see what is yours to give. 
Everyone appreciates your, your blessings, your generosity. Tarn Rama are so appreciative. And a final note, to join the NFT Rewards Program, you go to nftrewards.biz forward slash register forward slash Quran 999. So with lots of <laughs> gratitude, I'm going to pass the talking stick. And I hope it didn't go too long, but here I am. We are here. And I pass the talking stick to Taran Rama. Infinite blessings at this full moon to you and to everyone out there. Here it is, Taran Rama, with that blue ray of divine will and divine power. Greetings. Thank you. Greetings. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. And okay. wonderful weather over there and good vibrations for a, a, a pleasant spring into a summertime. It's been hot here, so it has felt like summer. Okay. Oh. Love and bless you, everybody. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. Namaste. Okay, really quick. Uh, yeah, it's almost eight. The Verizon and the and the Windstream are three hundred and five dollars and fifty fifteen cents total. And this week, uh, three hundred and twenty six dollars and fifty cents is due, and that includes an extra thirty dollars to contribute towards the bill from February, which all went to getting car repairs. But, um, and uh, Caroline is checking again to see if she can get that GoFundMe going. And they told her that she started all over because she moved and she got a different phone. So she had to submit some information. And so let's put some extra good vibrations that this comes through now for the yeah. GoFundMe because uh, another vehicle. Uh, a younger vehicle is required for us to take on our journeys everywhere. This one will be, uh, uh, when did we get it in, in, in 2003? It's 20. It's going to be 21 years old pretty soon. Did you, what, do you remember what time of the year you got? You don't remember? No. Okay, I think it was spring, so it's. It's already on its 21st year. So, yes, it's almost 8 o'clock. Anything else, Rama, that you all tell everybody what you experienced today? Oh, I talked with Natasha today for a moment. I taxed, and she said that um, the U.S. and the fake Putin, along with Ukraine, our saber rattling once again back and forth and just to remind you they're all the United States deep state behind the scenes. Zelensky's working for the states. The fake Putin is a creation of the states, the deep state, and um what's the third one? The United States. Yeah. It's the all Empire. manufactured killing for profit and yes. it's unacceptable and let's dance war is over 
War is over. May abundance of every good thing for the highest good of all. Yeah. Manifest, manifest, manifest now in the divine plan for each and every soul. All right. So we got about five more minutes. You want to say any more? What did oh, you talk to Natasha? Natasha right? This Sagittarius full moon, also the strawberry full moon, is a very big deal in terms of bringing um, abundance and a lifting up of the energies because they are extremely high and the portals are opening all around the planet and throughout the solar system and galaxy for this new light coming in that's being talked about that is raising the energies and it's I I fail to have the words because it, it's what you sense within tuning into the force. It's there's no words. Yes, um, I pass the talkie stick to you. Yes, the new golden age is where our thoughts create reality at will, says Aurora Ray, where we can travel instantaneously anywhere in space, time, space-time, where we can live forever. And that's what it says. And where we are infinitely intelligent, powerful, prosperous, and healthy beings who are loved by everyone. I think that was an earlier one, but I was drawn to read it again. All right. What else? We better give the phone numbers this time, Rama. Oh, 720-716-7301. And the PIN code is 353-863-POUND. I say it one more time. 720-716-7301. And the PIN code is 353863-POUND. Okay, everyone, and I'll just read the first paragraph here. Patty says, due to the shifts of energy, vibration, and consciousness, Mother Gaia and all life evolving upon her, experienced during the powerful Eclipse series, we were recently blessed with the heavens re are rejoicing okay so we'll see you on the conference call everyone and we will uh, be right back here at bbs radio at the top of the next hour and uh much more to come <laughs> I can feel a sense in the air of this abundance now. Let's uh, work with that. So see you on the conference, everyone, and share there. Namaste for now. Namaste.
Precious Heart, thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. Now, as the final initiation in Mother Mary's Temple of the Immaculate Heart for this mystical month of May, we will journey in consciousness into beloved Mother Mary's focus of light. If you have the heart call to do so, please join with me now. On this sacred and holy day, beloved Mother Mary will assist each of us to raise our earthly bodies into higher frequencies of fifth dimensional crystalline solar light than we have previously been able to experience at a cellular level. And we begin. 
I am my I am presence and I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. With every breath, I am breathing the highest life force and prana I have ever received. I gently enter the divinity of my heart flame and in deep reverence, I kneel before the altar of love and surrender my lower human consciousness to the perfection of my true God reality, my I am presence. Suddenly I realize that I am now ascending through a mighty shaft of light into the heavenly realms of illumined truth. I find myself tangibly present in the pure land of boundless splendor and infinite light. For a sublime moment, I absorb the wonder of this magical place. Gradually, I become aware that beloved Mother Mary is standing beside me and that we are in front of her magnificent crystalline temple of the Immaculate Heart. She takes my hand and together we ascend the steps of the temple and pass through the massive golden doors. Mother Mary escorts me through the alabaster hallway into a resplendent sanctuary of light in the center of the temple. Pulsating in the center of this sanctuary is a huge crystalline lotus blossom and blazing as the stamen of the lotus blossom is a magnificent Madonna blue flame with a white radiance. This is the flame of the Immaculate Concept. The flame of the Immaculate Concept pulsates with the divine blueprint and the full divine potential of every particle and wave of life within the causal body of our Father, Mother, God. Beloved Mother Mary is the keeper of the flame of the Immaculate Concept. And it is through this sacred fire that she sustains the Immaculate Concept of the divine potential pulsating within the heart flame of every son and daughter of God on earth. As I stand in the central chamber, Mother Mary points out that there are four similar smaller chambers at the cardinal points of this massive room. Each of these chambers has a smaller crystalline lotus blossom with the flame of the Immaculate Concept blazing in the center. Mother Mary beckons me to enter the flame of the Immaculate Concept in the large crystalline lotus blossom in the central sanctuary. And I gratefully respond. 
I stand within the scintillating essence of this Madonna blues sacred fire and I begin to experience the vibratory rate of my physical, etheric, mental and emotional bodies being accelerated. My consciousness is being lifted up and I perceive more clearly than ever before the divine blueprint, the immaculate concept for my earthly bodies and my full divine potential as a beloved son and daughter of God. This blueprint is the template for my fifth dimensional crystalline solar light bodies as well as my life path and my divine mission in this embodiment on earth. Pouring forth now from the very heart of my Father, Mother, God is a tremendous shaft of light that is pulsating with the immaculate concept of the next phase of the ascension process for Mother Earth and all life evolving upon her. This shaft of light consists of all of the divine qualities associated with the 12 fifth dimensional crystalline solar aspects of deity, including amplified frequencies of comprehensive divine love, divine will and power, enlightenment, illumined truth, divine purpose, and the oneness of all life. This shaft of light descends into the flame of the immaculate concept in the lotus blossom in the central sanctuary. And it blazes in, through, and around my four earthly bodies. When this facet of my transfiguration is complete, the shaft of light expands into the four chambers at the cardinal points. Mother Mary reveals to me that each of these chambers is dedicated to one of my four earthly bodies. The chamber to the east is dedicated to my emotional body. The chamber to the west is dedicated to my mental body. The chamber to the north is dedicated to my etheric body. And the chamber to the south is dedicated to my physical body. Now, Mother Mary directs me to consciously project my emotional body and all of my feelings and emotions into the flame of the immaculate concept in the crystalline lotus blossom in the chamber at the cardinal point to the east. The twofold flame with the amplified frequencies of comprehensive divine love, divine will and power, enlightenment, illumined truth, divine purpose, and the oneness of all life 
blazes in through and around my emotional body, transmuting every trace of imbalance or imperfection. My I am presence now projects the immaculate concept for my emotional light body and my newly activated life path and divine mission through this vehicle. And they begin pulsating as a light pattern, transfiguring this body instantly into the immaculate concept of my fifth dimensional crystalline emotional solar light body. Mother Mary now directs me to consciously project my mental body and all of my thoughts into the flame of the immaculate concept in the crystalline lotus blossom in the chamber at the cardinal point to the west. The twelve-fold flame blazes in through and around my mental body, transmuting every trace of imbalance or imperfection. My I am presence now projects the immaculate concept for my mental light body and my newly activated life path and divine mission through this vehicle and they begin pulsating as a light pattern, transfiguring this body instantly into the immaculate concept of my fifth dimensional crystalline mental solar light body. Mother Mary now directs me to consciously project my etheric body and all of my memories and records of the past into the flame of the immaculate concept in the crystalline lotus blossom in the chamber at the cardinal point to the north. The twelve-fold flame blazes in through and around my etheric body, transfiguring every trace of imbalance or imperfection. My I am presence now projects the immaculate concept for my etheric light body and my newly activated life path and divine mission through this vehicle and they begin pulsating as a light pattern, transfiguring this body instantly into the immaculate concept of my fifth dimensional crystalline etheric solar light body. Mother Mary now directs me to consciously project my physical body and every cell, atom, gland, muscle, organ, and function of this vehicle into the flame of the immaculate concept in the crystalline lotus blossom in the chamber at the cardinal point to the south. The twelve-fold flame blazes in through and around my physical body, 
transmuting every trace of imbalance or imperfection. My I am presence now projects the immaculate concept for my physical light body and my newly activated life path and divine mission through this vehicle and they begin pulsating as a light pattern transfiguring this body instantly into the immaculate concept of my fifth dimensional crystalline physical solar light body. Now, one by one, I magnetize my fifth dimensional crystalline solar light bodies back into the flame of the immaculate concept in the lotus blossom in the central sanctuary where they are brought into perfect alignment. First, my physical crystalline solar light body. Now, my etheric crystalline solar light body. Now, my mental crystalline solar light body. And finally, my emotional crystalline solar light body. Through my I am presence, Mother Mary now seals the frequency of these perfected vehicles with the sacred fire of comprehensive divine love, divine will and power, enlightenment, illumined truth, divine purpose, and the oneness of all life. With the completion of this activity of light, I gently return my consciousness to the room. My I am presence now secures this activity of light in the core of purity within every electron of my earthly bodies and the earthly bodies of all humanity. Now, For a moment, I just breathe deeply and allow God's infinite light to be assimilated into my physical, etheric, mental, and emotional bodies as the holy breath of God permeates my being. And so it is, beloved, I am that I am. God bless you, dear one. I look forward to being with you next week. Greetings, dear ones. I'm Cryon of Magnetic Service. 
I know who's here. Spirit knows who's here. The creative source who made you knows who's here. You do not live in some kind of vacuum. And yet it feels that way, does it not? It feels like you are surrounded by yourself and that's it. And we've said it over and over. This is the situation that you create as a human being. The circumstances of being linear. That it's just you, one body. And as you walk around, it's just you. But that is not the case at all. The soul that you have, that you call many things, the higher self, that which is grander, the innate, goes way beyond that which walks around in biology. There's pieces and parts of you that are connected to every single other human on earth. There are pieces and parts of you that are connected to the other side of the veil. You belong to what is called the soup of God, a group, not just of entities, a group that is the fiber of all things. The peace of God that is in you, the section of God that is in you, is connected to all things. And that hides so completely from you. It hides so much that those of you in sorrow and depression, frustration, who go into the corner by yourself, never understanding that there are so many with you, never understanding the connection you have to the other side of the veil, it's always there. The energy of consciousness on this planet literally has dictated the closet you're in. The teaching that you've had even since birth has dictated who you think you are. And who you are is so much bigger. That's been our message for so many years. And getting you to realize it is what the channelings are all about. And so we do it yet again, in a different way. But all of the things that we do are slowly graduating into clearer and clearer metaphors. I'm going to give you another one tonight. So profound this could be for you, if you let it, if you let it. It's more than a story, much more. And every single piece of it means something else. And that is the way teaching works. You peel the onion of revelation of what is being said in my partner's language into something that becomes what is felt and actionable with you. Actionable is a term we use which means applying to the reality of your life. 
something that is actionable for you is more than you listening. It is you becoming. As I tell this story about a human who has a vision. Visions are interesting. And you would define vision differently from person to person. But let's define it for this story. The human being who steps out of three-dimensional reality for just a few moments and sees things not in his or her world. A vision, a presentation of a grand truth with things that hide, things that are revealed, and things that you can revisit later in your memory. Some of the prophets walk this planet that were the most profound had visions even before they began of who they would be what would happen to them this is a vision of one human a human who has no name a human who stands in front of a door in this vision and it's an enormous door and on the title on the door, the title of the door, on a sign, it says, the library of self. A funny term to have a library of self. But the human who opens this door knows that inside there will be a great deal to learn. A library would indicate volume after volume of information. Of self would indicate to the individual that it might be personal. If the self was of the human who opens the door. The human doesn't open the door. The human calls for a guide to open the door. Now, this is because in this vision, it is necessary to have an outside source revealed for the vision. And so in comes a nameless guide with an enormous key ring. <laughs> this particular guide will then accompany the human in this library because what the human is about to see will require more doors, more unlocking, more revelations, more metaphors, and a little mystery. The guide opens the door. Now here is a metaphor where the guide is not talking to the human yet. It's understood that the guide shows up with a key because the human wants to get in. The door is unlocked. And as it's opened, it's obvious it has not been opened for a very long time. The door's hinges squeak with age. The dim light is there, but the light starts to increase as the human goes in. Without an apparent switch or torches 
or anything you might expect to create the light, the human arrives and the light is turned on. And immediately the human does not see a library with shelves or books, but a hallway with more doors. And the doors have names on them of things you would expect in a library, subjects to be discovered, to be examined. There is no necessarily order in this hallway. The human can start anywhere. The human in question with this vision sees the labels and the first one is how things work. That is really interesting. You might have even labeled it physics or science or chemistry. It's how things work. He sees some of the other labels on the other doors. There's one called history, one called past. There's one called relationships. There's, there's subjects. And in every library, he doesn't know what to expect. Behind each door, could it be a, a giant room filled with books, information, a library of self. He motivates immediately toward how things work, looks at the guide, the guide gets out the key. Now they didn't exchange any words and there was no permission. May I go in? There was none of that. There was, guide, would you please open the door? There was none of that. He simply looked at the door and the guide arrives with the key. The door is open and a vast room is revealed. How it works, literally, is all of the processes of the universe, all of the physics, all of the chemistry, even the multi-dimensionality of entanglement and beyond, consciousness that becomes physics, graduate planets, how it works, thousands of books balconies of books, ladders that would reach seemingly to the sky with a light. And he realizes, I'll never get through this. I'll never get through this. The reaction is interesting to the human who looks at it and says, it's overwhelming. I don't think I'll begin. And yet the things that are closest to him on the ground floor seem to be germane, or that is to say, relevant to his life. How things work for him, for her and this human. And the human begins to read certain things and finds, oh my goodness, I never knew this. That explains this. Wow. In the vision, there is an assumption of a time a time that is going to end. In other words, the clock is ticking for the vision and he can't stay very long. And so the human knows that there is no time to study everything, but the vision says it's all there. It's all about how things work.
and some of these things explain what has happened to me. How things work is not just physics and chemistry. Wow. It's intertwined with my life on how things have happened physically for me in this lifetime, what it is. Can you imagine such a library that touches on the core of what you've been through from your birth to now? You overwhelmed with the fact that all was known and is in a book. You leave the library closes the door and it's locked. Now there is a symbolism here that says that the human is only allowed to look at one library at a time. That symbolism is that the human is linear, still linear in this vision, still linear. But as the humans begin, the human begins to open the doors, he realizes that even that is starting to change. Could it be that the human is changing even as the library is examined? That's something to think about. He peeks at another door, which says history. He's not really into a lot of history, but he knows that beyond that door, there are things that, that no one knows. Some things that have been mysteries forever. He looks at the label on the door and the guide opens the door. Again, he enters, a light starts to come with him as he steps around and he starts to see another library segmented into areas, civilizations that he's never heard of. The ones he has heard of in one section, ones he's never heard of in other sections and there are section after section after section, civilization after civilization, names he doesn't know, writing he doesn't recognize. Phenomenal. The ones he does recognize, he sees, he recognizes the words of the civilizations that he knows about. And he starts to read. And he says, I never learned that in school. I didn't know that. Look at, look at this. They were here before these and those and wow. This is an amazing thing. Things that go beyond anything that I've ever learned in school are right here, right here. Again, he's, he's cognizant of the clock. He realizes there are so many rooms. There are huge libraries to see. Oh, there are so many volumes, thousands, tens of thousands, describing civilization, history, how things work, how he's related to all of it. He exits this library and goes back into the hall and sees the next room is called the past. <laughs> What's the difference between history and the past? He's about to find out. He looks at the label on the door and it opens. The guide is there with the key, different keys, different doors. The light follows him in because of his presence as a human. And then he sees it, not books, 
of crystals. And each crystal has its own story. And he realizes just from the training that he has had as an old soul, he has entered the library of the cave of creation. And in this is not history, unless you call his, her history. It's the history of the human. Each crystal represents a lifetime on the planet. Like some other metaphors we've given, other caves, he touches the crystal and immediately is given the story of himself in another time. She has another name, this human. He has another name, this human. There is another gender, one time a man, one time a woman. They're not lined up in any order. They're all the same size, and there are thousands. Overwhelmed he is, she is, with the profundity of what is there. It occurs to this human that they have been here forever, as long as Earth has allowed humans to be here. There's a crystal for every lifetime. We once gave you a metaphor, a puzzle. And it involved Jason and the cave. And in that, the human called Jason was so enamored with touching the crystals that he never got out. <laughs> he spent his life touching crystals to find out who we used to be. That's how attractive this is. But he, she, didn't spend that long because there were more. There were more things to show and tell. I'll come back here if I can. It's fascinating. Just a few crystals that were touched brought him, her, into a lifetime with all the facts and the people, the relationships were there. It's almost like the human was living it again. You've gone from books to crystals. You've gone from how it works on paper to touching a crystal and having other visions within a vision. The further you go, the more doors that are open, the more you become multidimensional outside of linearity. Out in the hallway, more doors, more labels. There was one that was attractive and yet it wasn't. I'll just go there right now. A label on the door, death. Do I go there or not? What does it mean? Is this vision someplace where I'm going to die? Behind the door is there an indication of how long I last. Doesn't have a very good name to a human being, does it? Death. He, she looks at the door. Nothing happens. Where's the guide with the key? 
I'm brave. I'll see what it does. I'll see what happens here. Where is the door key? Where is the guide? And then the human looks at the door closely and sees there is no doorknob. <laughs> I want you to get this clear. The room is fake. You can't open it. It doesn't exist. The metaphor of the library and the room and the door. There is no death. Profound it is for you to see this, for the human to realize this in the vision. Death would mean that the soul does not exist. And it always does and always has and will forever. In the vision of metaphysical things and the truth, there is no death. There is no way to open the door. There's no way to unlock the door. It's something that doesn't exist. And if you could open it, it would be a brick wall. Are you getting this? More doors, more labels, more things to see. There's, a, there's one called relationships. What could be in there? You already had the crystals to talk about what you've lived and what you've expressed. And you, you've had indication of, of how things went for you. You've had your past lives, all of these things, science, history, it had to encompass relationships. So what could be behind this door? It gets better as it goes, doesn't it? <laughs> Looks at the door and out comes the guide. And this time the guide speaks. And the guide says, be ready for this and unlocks the door. The human walks in and the light goes with him, her. And inside there's a party going on. And it's a party with everyone that human has ever been involved in, in all the lifetimes on the planet. The ones they've loved and lost, the ones they still know, it's almost like every soul was there. And they look young and they look beautiful, just like they, they met them the first time. If it's a mother or a father, from any lifetime, it's when they were young and beautiful with you as a child. If it's a spouse, it's when you married them. If it's a sister or a brother, it's when you knew them as a child. And they're all there together. And the music is beautiful. And it's so emotional. Because it's real. You see, there was no death. Are you getting this? There was no death. The room of relationships is a promise to you, dear human being. A promise, a reality that you should know is in your library. There's a party outside. <laughs> 
One more door. It's an interesting door because this door becomes multidimensional and not necessarily understandable. And it's called future. The guide opens the door, the human goes in. The light is enormous, bigger than it ever has been when generated by the human in any other library. It's the biggest room of all. Enormous. But what makes it strange is it's totally and completely empty. <laughs> Do you get the idea? It's empty because it hasn't been created. There are those that believe the future, even of this life they have now, is going to be filled with the same kinds of problems and strife that they've had all their life. It's not an empty room. It doesn't have them creating anything. They don't have the ability to understand that tomorrow is a blank page and that you do not have to carry the burdens of yesterday into tomorrow. But what you have today that makes you fearful, you can drop on the floor right now and walk into a light that is your creation for tomorrow, a new human that you are. The doors are shut, the light goes dim, the vision is over. Those of you who wish to analyze this will find stories within stories. Everything means something else. But let me tell you something that you probably have already gathered. The multidimensional human being that you are in your own DNA has this library existing. It is in you today. It is yours and you don't need a vision to access it. This is the promise of the shift. The ones who seeded you finally were able to walk into this library themselves of their own to see who they were, what they could do, how everything works, the physics of consciousness, the benevolence of belief, the beauty of compassion. As they walked through a society that eventually had no more war, a society that could see the God within and the God without until it finally merged. This is possible with this planet and this civilization because of the shift that has just occurred a few years ago. You are on the infancy, in the infancy, of something enormously grand that will develop over lifetime after lifetime. That is what has happened on this planet. This library inside you exists. Some of you, if you wish, may open any door. You don't need a guide. Dear ones, the guide was necessary in the old energy. The keys are yours. If you want to know really what happened, as you enter what we call the 11th civilization on this planet, 
You want to know really what happened in that shift in 2012? The whole setup of the nodes and the nulls, the magnetics, all of that gave you the keys to the library. It's here. It's inside you. It's magnificent. And it's discoverable in all of its pieces and parts. Which one are you going to go to first? Which one? You're all very different. You all have the issues that a human who is unique has. And each of you will decide based upon this short little channel. Which library room do you want to enter first? What do you need? And I will tell you. You've got a ring of keys for all the doors. Except one. There is no death. The human body deteriorates and goes away. So does everything else. But you, the essence of you, is forever. You will have that room with you every single time you come here. It travels with you. The knowledge of everything is inside. Think about these words. Think about the vision. The library of self is in you now. It's not somewhere else. And you have the keys. I am crying in love with humanity. And so it is. I just, I want to entertain the alternative mind of Aurora Ray that we can live forever without deteriorating at all. And I entertain that possibility. And of course, there's choice. Everybody has the choice. And so it is. <laughs> Greetings, Mother. In the light. In the light of the most radiant one. In the office of the Christ. And only in the office of the Christ. We invoke loving energies of Saint Julian. And we ask at this time, Mother, for the greatest gift of all, knowing who we are, 
and may we continue on this journey of infinite possibilities and probabilities on this adventure in this most exquisite beautiful place we get to live as we co-creatively manifest the pristine beauty of mother Gaia again everywhere on this planet everywhere at once and nowhere at all and as we planet hop sun hop star system hop dance through this galaxy and beyond we remember mother we all are one greetings Breathing children of raw. Indeed, this is so there is no death. Illusions are greatest. Adventure that we've had is already taking place. It's about ascension in this. What's so funny, mother? Because we can say, aside from all the other things going on, ascension is assured all the things, if you will, that are going on. It's about remembering who we are. As Cryon was just saying, from moment to moment, it's this unique experience we've asked to be part of as hundred and forty four thousand times ten hundred thousand hmm This timeline is completing itself in this moment. All the folks are here like you 
have been asking for. With this strawberry full moon, things are going to unfold in most auspicious ways. More things come out of the woodwork, as you say, to the light of day. More skeletons in the closet are coming out by themselves that have everything to do with how Aurora Ray has put it. false ideologies about who and what we are are coming to the light of we are magnificent immortal beings and things are happening so fast at this time right now because it is this awakening process this shift that is occurring As we could repeat what Cryon said, the greatest adventures inside this living temple of so many experiences, facets within the crystal, and how many doorways <laughs> the library as he calls it the Akash it's all right in here mm-hmm. and you want an adventure the adventure is to access these abilities within this living temple. It's how we change reality one cell at a time, and it's already occurring. So amazing to 
integrate of what's unfolding right now. All the souls that have asked at this time to be part of the shift are here. Enjoy what's unfolding in spite of the other stories that have a role to play in how we complete the old cycle. There is more than enough money, love, time, air to breathe in this realm. And it is about us learning the creativity of what's at our Take a pause and mm. look around you. So many highly credible things unfolding. body going through the ships we're all experiencing the exhaustive state we go through each moment with light years upon light years we are actually living out in this moment. It's like coming from Pinwheel Galaxy, Big Dipper, hmm. oh, can see it in the sky. Not at the moment. <laughs> Not this time, no. Oh, we could see the full moon. Yes. Big uh, full big, moon. Yeah. Still there, bright and shiny. Not going to go anywhere <laughs> anytime soon. Except we are all part of this story. Oh. Hmm. How we ascend as you 
ask Mama Luna to tell you her stories. She will tell you them. That is a whole nother study. Black Moon Lilith. Mm. The ins and outs of this passion play that has gone on since we started seeding life forms. Hmm. It's come full circle. We all are the ones we've been waiting for. We know it may sound ridiculous at this point, yet it is so. We are the ones that are shifting this right now. It takes all of us to do it. We can just say it's a wonderful time to be alive. It is. No more war. War. No more. Right. War is over. There are many other adventures besides this idea of anti-life. This is illogical. <laughs> hmm. There is no end to life in all its forms. Uh, well, there's animal, vegetable, mineral mm -hmm. in constant state of evolving. This is the magnificence of being here at this time. We are part of the shift that makes a new heaven, new earth in this now. Well, we got light years to go. <laughs> Thank you, Mother. Thank you. In the light of I'm the most radiant one. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Adonai, Sabayo. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Adonai, Sabayo. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Adonai.
Adonai, sa, Adonai, Tavayot. Namaste, Mother. Aloha. Use, huh? use this promo to lift yourself up. Everybody, let's use this full moon to lift ourselves up. Yes. Indeed. Love is the answer, everyone. Om Shiva. Hmm. Dear Rama, where have you been? It's a well-manicured garden with golden apples on the trees. And, um, hmm, didn't eat any of the apples. Yeah, it, it, something about this shit. That is huge right now. <laughs> that has something to do with the golden apples and immortality. I can say. Did you say the golden apples? Yes. Tell us about the golden apples, Rama. Oh. I think it has something to do with mana or some kind of gold dust. Oh. Yeah. I'm not certain, but these. It's what I saw in the garden. The golden apples, so well manicured. It was like an English. Sort of garden, oh, garden on a fancy estate. Oh, and I remember we went to see a place uh, outside of Santa Fe like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where this was. Yet I got immediately attracted to the golden apples. But I didn't eat any, and I think it's got something to do with transforming, transfiguration, that 
I'm not sure. I passed the talking stick. Oh, I'm glad to pass the talking stick to, uh, I, well, we're going to go to Amy and blaze the light, violet fire, transmute, transmute, yeah. transmute, uh, all to the highest good here. War no more. War no more. Especially when we're mimicking being somebody else when it's all us. Oh, Lord have mercy. All right. Here we go. From New York, this is Democracy Now! Default was the giant sword hanging over America's head. But because of the good work of President Biden, as well as Democrats in the House and Democrats in the Senate, we are not defaulting. The Senate has approved a bipartisan deal to suspend the debt ceiling, preventing the country from defaulting for the first time in history. We'll speak to California Congressmember Ro Khanna about why he and many progressive Democrats voted against the deal. Also, why he continues to call for his colleague, Senator Dianne Feinstein, to resign. Then we go to Atlanta, where a police SWAT team, guns drawn, raided the Atlanta Solidarity Fund and arrested three people who've been raising money to bail out protesters opposed to the construction of a massive police training facility known as Cop City. Plus, the billionaire Sackler family gets legal immunity as a federal appeals court has ruled the makers of OxyContin can be shielded from prosecution for their role in creating and fueling the deadly opioid epidemic. There is no admission of wrongdoing. And now, at the Second Circuit rule, no individual state government will ever be able to sue the Sacklers in civil courts and get them to acknowledge that they ever did anything wrong. We'll also speak to a father who lost his 18-year-old son to the opioid epidemic. All that and more coming up. To Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The U.S. Senate has approved legislation to suspend the limit on the U.S. national debt ahead of a June 5th deadline to avoid a catastrophic default. On this vote, the yeas are 63, the nays are 36. The 60 vote threshold hasn't been achieved. The bill is passed. The legislation imposes new work requirements on thousands of people receiving food stamps and other forms of government assistance. It also rolls back the National Environmental Policy Act and fast-tracks the approval and construction of the fracked gas Mountain Valley pipeline through West Virginia and Virginia. Speaking after the bill's passage late Thursday, Senate Democratic Majority Leader Chuck Schumer defended the compromises which were sought by conservative West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin. The bottom line is that the Mountain Valley Pipeline was part of the whole deal. 
that we that we had originally uh, that I had originally struck with Mansion for the IRA. It does a, you take the whole plan and it does a huge amount of good for the environment. I stick by my word. Just five members of the Senate Democratic Caucus voted against the debt ceiling deal. President Biden, who's promised to sign the legislation, is addressing the nation at 7 p.m. Eastern this evening. In more news from Capitol Hill, the Senate voted Thursday to revoke President Biden's student debt plan to give 40 million U.S. borrowers up to $20,000 in loan relief apiece. Independent Senator Kirsten Sinema joined Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and John Tester, along with all 49 Senate Republicans, in favor of repealing student loan relief. President Biden has promised to veto the bill. The governor of Russia's western Belgorod region says two people were killed and two others injured earlier today when Ukrainian forces shelled a town just inside Russia's border with Ukraine. This follows a cross-border raid by an anti-Putin militia on the Russian town of Shabakino, which injured 12 people and set more than two dozen buildings on fire, including a kindergarten. In Kyiv, officials say Ukraine's military shot down 36 Russian missiles and drones around the capital region overnight. Two people were reportedly injured by falling debris. Meanwhile, a top Ukrainian minister said Russia sowed winter crops for this year's harvest in parts of occupied Ukraine, claimed by President Vladimir Putin as Russian territory. Officials also said Russia is blocking the safe passage of Ukrainian shipments of food and fertilizer under the Black Sea grain export deal. At the United Nations, spokesperson Stefan Dujark confirmed Russia has recently imposed a continuous slowdown at Black Sea ports. This is a very serious situation. We need to move forward. The initiative is bound for renewal on 17 July. Global hunger hotspots are increasing, as we've been notifying you on a regular basis. And the specter of food inflation and market volatility lurks in all countries. Ukraine's president has made a fresh push for membership in the European Union and NATO. President Volodymyr Zelensky made the request at a gathering of European leaders in Moldova, where he also called on Western nations to come to the aid of Moldova's leaders who've accused Russia of trying to destabilize and topple their government. This comes as foreign ministers from NATO member nations gathered in Oslo, Norway Thursday to discuss the war in Ukraine and the possible expansion of the 31-member military alliance. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said he pushing for Sweden's accession to NATO ahead of a summit in Lithuania planned for July 11th. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said he'll soon travel to Turkey in a bid to convince President Recep Tayyip Erdogan to end Turkish opposition to Sweden's bid. Meanwhile, China's envoy to Ukraine has called for the U.S. and its allies to stop sending weapons to the battlefield and hold peace talks. Li Hui made the remarks from Beijing after returning from a 12-day tour of Europe and Russia. Russia has said that it has never opposed peace talks and has always supported a political solution. Ukraine also said that it cherishes and desires peace. I feel that the two sides have not firmly shut the door to peace talks. In Canada, hundreds of protesters disrupted the opening day of North America's largest military weapons convention, CANSEC, taking place in Ottawa. Activists on Thursday blocked vehicle and pedestrian entrances as they carried banners saying, stop profiting from war and war crimes start here. The peaceful action delayed Canadian Defence Minister Anita Anand's opening keynote address for over an hour, in which she went on to tout a new cross-border cybersecurity program aimed at protecting Canada.
Canada's defense officials, contractors, and infrastructure. And I'm told the crowd, quote, Putin's war in Ukraine has reminded us that the cyber domain is crucial to our national security, unquote. Lockheed Martin is one of the convention's largest sponsors as its stock has soared following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. In Iran, the two women journalists whose reporting on Masamini's death in police custody last September helped set off a nationwide uprising were tried this week in what press freedom groups blasted as a sham trial. Ilaha Mohammadi and Nilufar Hamdi had been prevented from seeing their lawyers ahead of the trial, and the lawyers were reportedly not permitted to present a defense in court during the closed-door proceedings. Last month, the reporters were awarded the prestigious 2023 UNESCO Guillermo Kano World Press Freedom Prize, alongside a third imprisoned Iranian journalist and activist, Nargis Mohammadi. Thousands of immigrant workers walked off their jobs across Florida Thursday to protest a draconian anti-immigration bill signed by Republican Governor Ron DeSantis that's set to take effect July 1st. The new law imposes harsh penalties on certain employers who don't check their workers' immigration status, among other measures. And immokalee workers and their families led a march denouncing DeSantis as part of a nationwide protest day called A Day Without Immigrants. This is an undocumented farm worker who kept her identity concealed as she spoke at the protest. I asked the governor to have, above all, a conscience. All the vegetables and food that arrives at your table go through the hands of an immigrant, and that is all I can say. As mothers, as women, we are honest people who only come to fight for a better future for our family. In more immigration news, a federal judge in Texas heard arguments Thursday in a lawsuit led by nine Republican states to end the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program known as DACA. A new version of the 2012 Obama-era program was presented by advocates as they fight to salvage the relief, which has provided temporary protection from deportation and work authorization to hundreds of thousands of immigrants brought to the United States as children. The judge presiding over the case, Andrew Hanen, previously declared DACA unlawful in 2021, blocking all new applications while appeals are resolved in court. A ruling deciding DACA's fate isn't expected for months, and the case is likely to head to the Supreme Court. This comes as the Chicago City Council voted Wednesday to allocate more than $50 million from a budget surplus to provide emergency humanitarian aid and housing to the thousands of asylum seekers who've been sent to Chicago since last August by Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott. This is Chicago Alderman Andre Vasquez. So we've got um, around 10,000 asylum seekers coming from South and Central America. Um, close to 1,000 of them are currently um, living in our police stations, right? You're talking sleeping on mats on the floor, uh, sometimes on the floor directly. And we're talking women, children, like whole families. Uh, so the city currently is looking to see how it's going to tackle it um, at a time where we don't have the funding and resources from the state and federal government to really um, adequately address it. The Supreme Court has dealt a fresh blow to U.S. labor unions, delivering a ruling that makes it easier for employers to sue workers who go on strike. Thursday's eight-to-one opinion, authored by Justice Amy Coney Barrett, sided with a Washington state business that sued members of the Teamsters Union after their work stoppage left wet concrete in trucks, forcing the company to throw away the cement at a financial loss. Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson was the lone dissenter 
The Working Families Party blasted the Supreme Court's latest anti-union ruling, writing in a statement, quote, the institution that was at one point the last line of defense for working people against oppression and corporate greed is now a bludgeon wielded against those very people by the wealthy and well-connected, they said. In Seattle, hundreds of workers at Amazon's corporate headquarters walked out Wednesday during a lunchtime demonstration to call out Amazon's inaction on its climate goals and labor issues at the company. We want Amazon to do better. We want uh, the uh, warehouse workers to have better conditions. We want uh, responsibility towards uh, climate problems and climate impact. Workers also protested layoffs affecting 27,000 people since November in a recent forced return to office policy. Amazon corporate workers in other cities and countries took part in the walkout, many of them virtually. Bill Cosby has been sued by another woman for sexual assault. Victoria Valentino says Cosby raped her and sexually assaulted her friend at his home in 1969 after drugging them. Valentino, then an actor and singer, filed a lawsuit under a new California look-back law that gives sexual assault survivors a limited window to file civil suits that exceed the normal statute of limitations. Cosby, who's been accused of rape and other sexual crimes by dozens of women, was allowed to walk free from prison to years ago on a technicality over his 2018 sexual assault conviction. And a federal monitor investigating the death of 31-year-old Joshua Valles and other disturbing events at the Rikers Island jail complex. An autopsy revealed Valles died of a fractured skull, which appears inconsistent with prison reports. The monitor also accused the city jail of a lack of transparency. This comes as New York's Department of Corrections says it will stop notifying the press when someone dies in one of its jails. The Legal Aid Society said, quote, this is another low light in the Department of Corrections campaign to keep outside eyes away from the catastrophe that is the city's jail system and the harm it inflicts daily on New Yorkers trapped inside its deadly walls. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. President Biden's expected to soon sign legislation suspending the debt ceiling after the Senate voted 63 to 36 on a bipartisan deal that had been approved by the House earlier. The bill will prevent the United States from defaulting for the first time in history. The legislation also caps domestic spending below the current rate of inflation while allowing larger increases to the military budget. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer spoke after the vote. Democrats are feeling very good tonight. We've saved the country from the scourge of default, even though there were some on the other side who wanted default, wanted to lead us to default. We may be a little tired, but we did it. So we're very, very happy. Default was the giant sword hanging over America's head. But because of the good work of President Biden, as well as Democrats in the House and Democrats in the Senate, we are not defaulting. Tonight's vote is a good outcome because Democrats did a very good job taking the worst parts of the Republican plan off the table. And that's why Dems voted overwhelmingly for this bill, while Republicans certainly in the Senate did not. Ahead of the final vote, the Senate rejected a number of amendments to the legislation, including one by Virginia Democratic Senator Tim Kaine, 
who wanted to remove a section of the bill that fast-tracks the approval and construction of the controversial 300-plus-mile-long frack gas Mountain Valley pipeline through West Virginia and Virginia. Many progressive Democrats voted against the debt legislation due to the pipeline provision as well as new work requirements for thousands of people receiving food stamps and other forms of government assistance. Meanwhile, a number of Republicans opposed the deal for not cutting non-military spending enough. Some of the senators who voted against the final debt deal include independent Senator Bernie Sanders, Democrats John Fetterman, Ed Markey, Jeff Merkley, and Elizabeth Warren, and Republicans Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Lindsey Graham, and Josh Hawley. We go now to California Democratic Congressmember Ro Khanna, who voted against the legislation in the House. So can you respond to the passage in both the House and the Senate? Uh, why you voted against it and why you also seem to be glad that it passed. Well, it's good that our nation avoided default, but it came on the backs of the poor, of students, of the most vulnerable, of women. It was a punch in the gut to young climate activists across the country by entrenching the Mountain Valley Pipeline. And progressives have been saying, why didn't we increase the debt ceiling back in the lane duck when we were calling for it? Progressives have been saying, why can't the Treasury Department just continue to pay the bills as they have the constitutional obligation and duty to do? Larry Tribe has said they can do that. The Treasury could keep paying the bills and the Fed is not going to bounce the Treasury checks and the courts would have upheld that. So there are many other ways that we could have avoided this default. Uh, and we did not think that we should avoid the default on the backs of the most vulnerable. So why didn't the House, when it was still in control of the, when the Democrats were still in control after they lost in 2022, but the new party, the new uh, Congress hadn't taken over, why didn't they do this? We should have. Some of us were calling for us to do that. Now, back then, we were trying to finish the Inflation Reduction Act. That is a very important piece of legislation, and I'm proud of it. But there may have been a hesitation to negotiate both for that uh, and for the debt ceiling increase. That was a mistake. We, I'd much rather that we have been negotiating just with Senator Manchin, uh, then uh, with McCarthy. Maybe uh, the Mountain Valley Pipeline would still have been uh, something that would have been in the agreement, though many would have worked very, very hard to prevent that. But certainly uh, some of the, the framework, which increases defense spending and decreases social spending for the social programs, would not have been in that framework. And you also would have had some alternative sources of revenue, because even Senator Manchin uh, believes we need to get rid of the carried uh, interest loophole, that we need to increase taxes. So the biggest mistake in my view was that we did not do this in the land up. But the second point is, uh, it's not just the left or the fringe that is saying that the president is constitutionally obligated to pay the bills of what past Congresses have said. This is Larry Tribe's view. Paul Krugman has said, why is Treasury not coming up with multiple places of paying these bills? And it was actually Secretary Yellen who was warning back in November and December, urging the Congress to do something. 
House Minority Whip Catherine Clark said Republicans force Democrats' hand. There is no perfect negotiation when you are the victims of extortion. Nobody likes to pay a ransom note, and that's exactly what tonight's vote is. So if you can uh, elaborate on that and also talk about what it means, these work requirements for people who, for example, are sick or hungry. Let me answer the work requirements first. Think of a 51 or 52-year-old mom uh, who uh, is uh, disabled or has a back pain or has some health condition and she uh, isn't able to to go to work. Uh, Now she will be denied $6 a day. Now if she has uh, a custodian relationship with a child that may not be technically recognized uh, under the law as a parent-child relationship. This is going to hurt women uh, in their early 50s the most, according uh, to a lot of the studies. Now, people say that the president uh, got uh, an exemption for veterans and for homelessness, and I applaud him for that. But you can't penalize and hurt one group of people and then applaud that another group of people would be helped and think uh, that that all washes out and is fine. That sort of utilitarian calculus that the pain of one group is justified by the improvement of the others. I don't believe in that way of moral ethical reasoning. I believe in the dignity of every individual, that you don't hurt one group to help another. And Democrats should not be for hurting women in their 50s, poor Americans in their 50s, uh, to... to, uh, uh, try to reduce a deficit when we could have been reducing extraordinary defense spending or these extraordinary tax cuts. And Catherine Clark is right. Well, if the Republicans are the ones who held the economy hostage here, who demanded a ransom note, uh, but we should have then say, okay, we're going to embrace a framework that uh, it, it adopts their, uh, their view that defense should go up and social spending should go down. What we should say is, if they're going to hold us ransom, that we're going to pay the bills and go to the Roberts Court. Is the Roberts Court really going to tell Janet Yellen uh, to stop paying bills that she's constitutionally obligated to do? Is, is, is the Roberts Court really going to tell Powell to bounce Janet Yellen's checks? I, I just don't see the courts doing that. And the issue of uh, MVP, um, which, of course, has positive connotation uh, but uh, when it comes to sports, but is the Mountain Valley pipeline that so many have opposed, saying um, that the greenhouse gas emissions that could result from the fracked gas that uh, goes through the pipeline um, uh, could be equivalent to something between 26 and 37 coal-fired power plants. Uh, you have that within this bill. You also have Biden going forward on the Willow Project in Alaska. Can you talk about the significance of this? And also, um, a person you've talked about is your friend, Senator Manchin, the power he has almost as the second President Joe. Well, this is a punch in the gut to climate activists around the country, to young people around the country. They saw some momentum with the Inflation Reduction Act, where Congress finally passes uh, a major investment in solar and wind uh, in batteries and electric vehicles. And then they see uh, the administration approve the Willow Project in Alaska. 
and they're bewildered. How can a administration that is uh, focused on climate then be allowing uh, for this drilling in Alaska? And now they see the uh, expedited approval of the Mountain Valley Pipeline, saying that the ports don't matter. If the ports are finding environmental harm, we're going to go build this pipeline that is going to hurt local communities, that is going to hurt the environment, uh, and we're going to uh, do this uh, in a bill that has nothing to do with climate policy. This is uh, just drives uh, a cynicism. And some of us voted no to speak up for them, but we really have to understand that there's a disillusionment that we uh, risk when every time we do this, we chip away at young people's faith that this country uh, is serious about the climate. Now, I I said to, to, to Senator Manchin uh, during the whole Inflation Reduction Act that we were going to have to make compromises uh, with him, and I was part of some of those conversations. But I think the Mountain Valley Pipeline is a bridge too far. We did make compromises with him. We had funding in there for uh, carbon capture. We had funding in there for nuclear. We had funding in there uh, for technologies of, uh, of potential carbon removal. Uh, the amounts that we uh, allocated for climate were far less, ultimately, than what we started with. We got rid of a lot of the sticks for utilities from the clean electricity program. We reduced the fee of methane. It's not like there was not a compromise. This is uh, a bridge too far. I wanted to ask you about a different issue, uh, Congressman Khanna. Uh, last month, your colleague, a Democratic Senator from California, Dianne Feinstein, returned to Capitol Hill for the first time since her office announced the diagnosis of shingles in February. The 89-year-old California Democrat said in a statement she'd resume her duties with a lighter schedule. She had missed 91 floor votes in the Senate. Her absence stalled the advance of President Biden's judicial nominee after Republicans denied Democrats' request to temporarily replace her on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, the San Francisco Chronicle last year published a story raising concerns about Feinstein's mental faculties months before this most recent announcement of shingles. Um, and now there's been some discussion, I think, in the New York Times and others that uh, it was complicated by encephalitis. Um, that's um, inflammation of the brain. California Congress member, you and some of your colleagues, including New York Congress member Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, have called on Feinstein to retire immediately. Now, in April, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said calls for Feinstein to resign are sexist. This is what she said. It's interesting to me, I don't know what political agendas are at work that are going after Senator Feinstein in that way. I've never seen them go after a man who was sick in the Senate in that way. So that was Senator Pelosi. That was uh, House, former House Speaker Pelosi. Um, you were calling for Dianne Feinstein to resign when she wasn't able to come back. Now she is. Um, why are you continuing to call for her to resign? It's a very sad situation. And the reality is that she's not able uh, to do the job. In fact, just yesterday in my district, Someone was talking about vacancies in the San Jose District Court, and could I contact my senator to discuss that? And I contacted Alex Padilla, because the reality is no one can get in touch with her that I know of. Uh, 
she just has a staff that's running everything. And it's a very, very sad uh, situation. And she should uh, step down with dignity. Now, the New York Times uh, has a long editorial where they actually refute the Speaker Pelosi's statement. And they say this has nothing to do with sexism or ageism. This is simply the view that people should be able to do uh, the basics of the job. And that is, again, respecting uh, the voters. Here's, I think, partly what's going on in candor. Uh, there is a concern about who Governor Newsom would appoint if Dianne Feinstein stepped down. And Governor Newsom has said that he would appoint uh, a black woman. And I want to be transparent. I'm a co-chair of uh, Barbara Lee's uh, Senate campaign, and many people have speculated that Barbara Lee would be one of the potential people that Gavin Newsom uh, would appoint. And that, I think, is coloring a lot of why people want Diane Feinstein to say. To that, I have a simple uh, reply. For 250 years in America, we've been tipping the scales against black women. If one time the scales were tips in their favor, it's not the end of the world. So just to be very clear, you're saying that because Gavin Newsom said he would report, he would um, appoint an African-American woman. He had said that to replace Kamala Harris, but then ended up um, uh, appointing uh, Alex Padilla, the first Latino senator to represent California. And so now it's come down to this. Now, Nancy Pelosi um, uh, is thrown her support to Adam Schiff. Um, Katie Porter is also running. If Barbara Lee uh, were appointed now, uh, the concerns, as all the articles are talking about, is that would give her a leg up in this Senate race. Uh, do you think that's the reason Nancy Pelosi is throwing around these other charges, trying to keep Dianne Feinstein in office? Politico has a piece I'm looking at right now. Feinstein's primary caregiver, Pelosi's daughter. Whenever you see uh, Dianne Feinstein, the senator um, uh, in the Senate now, you often see right next to her Pelosi's oldest daughter. And some are saying she's really preventing her from um, being exposed to the press and others. Is this Nancy Pelosi's real concern? Is her favoring Adam Schiff for the Senate? I respect Speaker Pelosi, and I certainly don't want to speculate on her motives, but I do think more generally this is the primary concern of what's motivating people to, to keep Diane Feinstein in and who's going to succeed her. And many people, in fairness to Gavin Newsom, he never, in my understanding, made a hard commitment after Kamala Harris's seat to appoint an African-American woman. He said he would take that into consideration. But he has made a hard commitment on this seat to appoint an African-American woman. I said he could appoint a caretaker. But if he does choose to appoint a Barbara Lee, like I said, I don't think that's the end of the world, given how much the country has been tilted against African-American women uh, for 250 years, given that we don't have a single African-American woman in, uh, in the Senate. And I think that that broader dynamic of the Senate race is what is coloring uh, people wanting Diane Feinstein to stay there. And it's a sad situation. And finally, Congressmember Connor, are you concerned that just as a Republican said no to Diane Feinstein being temporarily, temporarily replaced on the Judiciary Committee um, when she was away, are you concerned that if she resigned and someone else stepped in, 
that somehow um, they would control um, who, uh, whether or not there would be another Democrat allowed to be on the, in the Judiciary Committee where the judicial appointments are made. That's a fair question. I'm not because the Republican leadership has said that if that situation happened, they would honor the process of allowing uh, the uh, the replacement to be on uh, the Judiciary Committee and make up the numbers. And because that is the precedent that they have, and that affects the Republicans' own uh, seat assignments. And everyone that I have talked to on the Senate side believes uh, that they would honor uh, that because it affects their own uh, Senate seat assignments. Congressmember O'Connor, we want to thank you for being with us. Democratic Congressmember from California, Deputy Whip of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, speaking to us from Fremont, California. Next up, we go to Atlanta, where police SWAT team, guns drawn, raided the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, arresting three people who've been raising money to bail out protesters opposed to a massive police training facility known as Cop City, uh, opposed to it being built. Stay with us. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman as we go to Atlanta, Georgia, where a police SWAT team, guns drawn, raided the Atlanta Solidarity Fund on Wednesday and arrested three people who'd been raising money to bail out protesters opposed to the construction of a massive police training facility known as Cop City. Marlon Kautz, Adele McLean, and Savannah Patterson were charged with one count each of money laundering and charity fraud. Warrants allege the three were, quote, misleading contributors to fund the actions in part of Defend the Atlanta Forest, a group classified by the United States Department of Homeland Security as domestic violent extremists. As proof of money laundering, the warrants cite reimbursements from April 2021 to March of this year that total less than $7,000 and were for forest cleanup, totes, COVID rapid tests, media and yard signs. The Atlanta Solidarity Fund issued a statement that it's existed for seven years, quote, with the sole purpose of providing resources to protesters experiencing repression. To be clear, none of the arrested cop city activists have been designated as domestic violent extremists, nor have they been convicted, just charged. In March, Prosecutors charged 23 forest defenders with domestic terrorism after clashes between police and protesters less than two months after Atlanta police shot dead Manuel Tortuguita Terán, a 26-year-old environmental activist. An autopsy concluded they were sitting with their hands raised up 
in front of their body when police shot them 57 times. In response to the arrest Wednesday, the National Lawyers Guild issued a statement, quote, in firm solidarity with the Atlanta Solidarity Fund and all of the stop cop city activists unjustly targeted by law enforcement, unquote. They noted, quote, bail funds exist to protect people's right to dissent. They're necessary, legally sound resources that help people more safely access their constitutionally protected rights to speech and assembly by lowering the risks of financial ruin or indignity definite jail time, unquote. The arrests come just days before the Atlanta City Council is set to vote on the fate of Cop City. Officials recently admitted the public cost of the project will top $67 million, twice as high as originally stated. For an update, we go to Atlanta to speak with Kamau Franklin, founder of the organization Community Movement Builders. Kamau, welcome back to Democracy Now! I mean, can you lay out what happened? I, as we look at this image of a SWAT team moving in, guns drawn, um, charging uh, this group, ultimately, um, the authorities, with charity fraud, Certainly someone like George Santos, who was just recently arrested, uh, there wasn't a SWAT team that moved in on him. Uh, Can you talk about what took place? Sure. Thanks for having me. So what took place was an escalation by the authorities, the state of Georgia, the city of Atlanta, all the infrastructure of the movement. Uh, So approximately at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, uh, the uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, along with SWAT teams, there's reports that there were personnel from Homeland Security there, uh, decided to, to, to back a truck up in a residential neighborhood, an armored vehicle with armored police personnel, SWAT teams, uh, to basically go in, guns drawn, as you stated, uh, to arrest people on what essentially is, would be considered a white collar crime and or a financial crime in terms of what the charges would be. But this use of a violent force against the Atlanta Solidarity Fund really shows that the real intent has nothing to do uh, with, uh, with any criminality uh, which has never taken place with the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. But this is really another way of destroying and attacking the infrastructure of organizing and movement, particularly against those who have been organizing against Cop City. Wouldn't this, to say the least, be a deterrent uh, to people who might want to donate to the fund? Well, uh, apparently this is with the hope of the Atlanta police and the Georgia Bureau, Invest- uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and again, the Governor Kemp, um, but already the movement has stood strong. We found an alternative bail fund, a national bail fund, which is stepping in uh, to support uh, movement organizers and the, uh, the folks who were arrested who are part of the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. Um, but yes, the very attempt is to ruin the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, an organization, as stated, has been around for over seven years, way before the Stop Cop City organizing and activism, way before even the Black Lives Matter protest in 2020. Um, These folks have been around organizing and supporting movement activists and organizers, uh, making sure that anyone who was arrested in Atlanta had an opportunity to receive bail. And instead of being locked up and waiting trial, that those folks could defend themselves on any specious charges. Once they were out, they could resume their lives. They could resume being active and organizing. They are uh, basically a needed infrastructure for organizing and movement, which the state 
state and the city has gone after and attacked. I want to go to Marlon Cowles, one of the three Atlanta Solidarity Fund organizers who were arrested on Wednesday. Uh, but they were speaking in February after information surfaced that Georgia prosecutors were preparing RICO charges against activists who opposed the construction of Cop City in Atlanta. Uh, he's currently in jail. We understand that this movement is as broad as society itself. It includes environmental activists, community groups, faith leaders, abolitionists, students, artists, and people from all over. But police, prosecutors, and even Governor Kemp have been trying to suggest in the media and in court that the opposition to Cop City is actually the work of a criminal organization whose members conspire to commit acts of terrorism. In essence, they're trying to concoct a Rico-like story about the movement. So, Kamal Franklin, Marlon Counts and the two others arrested remain in jail from Wednesday? Yes, they still are in jail. They have a bail, a bail hearing coming up today at 1 o'clock. Um, and I should say, based on you know what Marlon was talking about, We've heard rumors for months um, that the other parts of the infrastructure of the movement would be attacked. Uh, we've come out with different videos uh, showing support and acknowledging that this information, although uh, could not be verified at the time, was something that was sort of laid at our doorstep, um, that other parts of the movement to stop Cop City would be attacked because the city and the state were scared that all, through all of their tactics, the movement has not gone away. In fact, it has grown. Um, and so we think that the, the attack, when it finally did happen, you know, it came at a time um, when, as you stated, the city of Atlanta, through the city council, is about to vote um, uh, to give funding to this, this uh, training center, to Cop City, um, after it was exposed that instead of 30 million, it would be 67 million, double the cost, which they've lied about for two years, telling the public that it would be, and I say in air quotes, only $30 million. In addition to that, the last city council hearing, hundreds of people turned out to speak. Many were turned away. Over 100 people were turned away from speaking. It was the largest gathering at City Hall to make comment and protest any ordinance and or bill that the city council has ever introduced. They knew that a repeat of that was going to happen this Monday, June 5th, when they're actually going to be voting on the resources, giving the resources to the Atlanta Police Foundation, a private foundation itself, which probably is the real uh, entity that's a criminal nonprofit entity. Um, that is what we think prompted the move by, again, the city and the state and the police and the district attorney of DeKalb County to move now to, again, further criminalize this movement um, in the face of massive protests against Cop City. Kamal, we just have 30 seconds. This will be the largest police training facility in the country. Some would say, isn't it good for police to be trained? Why are you so opposed? And so many from indigenous people protesting the use of the land to environmentalists overall, uh, to people who are deeply concerned about police brutality. Because we understand that this, this cop city is not just for training. 
The officer that killed uh, Rashad Brooks in Atlanta had over 2,000 hours of training. This is not about the training of police. This is about the militarization of police, the over-policing of black communities, and the attacking of movements and organizations that oppose police violence. This is an extension of that, and that's why we are against Cop City, because we know this is not a, about training. This is about police militarization and the over-policing of black communities. Kamau Franklin, founder of the organization Community Movement Builders, speaking to us from Atlanta, Georgia. Coming up, the billionaire Sackler family gets legal immunity. As a federal appeals court rules, the OxyContin makers can be shielded from prosecution for their role in creating and fueling the deadly opioid epidemic. Back in 30 seconds. Trees grow higher than the mountain in the land of free love and moved by the rivers ever growing, the fishes blowing. also known as Yusuf Islam. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. This week, a federal appeals court ruled members of the Sackler family, the billionaire owners of OxyContin maker Purdue Pharma, can receive complete immunity from all current and future civil litigation related to their role in creating and fueling the opioid epidemic. The legal shield could lead to a settlement in the range of $6 billion for thousands of plaintiffs, including states, local governments, and tribes. Tuesday's ruling reverses a 2021 court decision that did not protect Sackler family members from liability as part of Purdue Pharma's bankruptcy declaration. The case can still be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Opioid overdoses have killed over half a million people in the United States over the past 20 years. This according to the CDC, including prescription and illicit drugs. For more, we're joined by two guests. Ed Bish's 18-year-old son, Eddie, died of an OxyContin-related overdose in 2001. He was 18. Ed Bish founded RAP. That's Relatives Against Purdue Pharma. He wrote an essay for Stat News titled, My Son Died of an Oxy Overdose. Drug company execs who are responsible should be sent to jail. Ed Bish has long called on the Department of Justice to prosecute the Sacklers. And in Mexico City, Christopher Glazek joins us, investigative reporter who was the first to publicly report how the Sackler family had significantly profited from selling the opioid OxyContin while fully aware that the highly addictive drug was directly fueling the opioid epidemic in America. We welcome you both to Democracy Now! Ed Bish, let's begin with you. If you can talk about why you oppose this court decision this week what it means for you and your family. Well, what what it means is it the best part of this deal is it doesn't has nothing to do with criminal prosecution. So for that I am happy. Otherwise that is in my opinion the only good part of this deal. 
There's um, many reasons. Uh, most of the news stories are saying that 95% of the victims approved of the deal. Well, only 20% of the victims voted. So, you know, that's very misleading. I mean, I, I have a long list. Number one, the, the total deals valued about $10 billion. The victims get $750 million, okay? That's 7.5%. Out of that, that's before the lawyer fees and expenses. So the victims are going to wind up with around 4%. Does that sound fair to you? What does that come to per person, Ed? Well, they that's another thing. They have a point system. So, and you need valid records. So I talked to one lady who actually got addicted to OxyContin, went to prison for forging OxyContin prescriptions to feed her own addiction, went to prison. She filed, and the lawyer said, well, we, we need proof. She said, I went to jail for two years. What kind of proof do you, they want? A lot of records, and some of them go back. A lot of people couldn't get the records. There's a lot of people who are going to be very disappointed. And please follow up with these people in a year or two. And just to be clear, um, you've been calling for the prosecution of the Sackler family. This court ruled they get total immunity. Your response to that? Well, they get civil immunity. They don't get criminal immunity. Maura Healy, the Massachusetts governor, has stated she has seen the evidence and the DOJ should do their job and prosecute. Punishable by fine means legal for a price. Just, just you know, these companies, not just Purdue, they look at it as the cost of doing business. They made billions and billions. They pay a portion in a fine and they walk away. In this case, the Sacklers get to walk away with civil immunity. They get to sleep like a baby at night. They're still billionaires. Without any criminal prosecutions, this is going to go on and on. I want to bring Christopher Glazek into this conversation. You have been covering this for decades, just as Ed Bish has been living the horror of losing his son for over 20 years now. He lost him in 20, uh, 2001. Um, can you talk about this latest deal, how it um, differs from previous ones and the overall scope of it, Chris? <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, looking at the agreement, you'd have to say that the Sacklers did what they've always done. They struck a deal, they paid a bribe, and they're getting away with it. There's no admission of wrongdoing anywhere in the agreement. And the question is, is this really accountability? It, it's really important for people to understand the deal has this big fancy number in it, like the Sacklers are going to pay $6 billion. Well, they're going to pay that over 18 years. And when you have a giant fortune that's more than $10 billion, just the interest you earn every year is going to be enough to pay out that settlement. So it's important people understand the Sacklers are not losing their fortune. In fact, their fortune will probably be bigger 
in five years than it was five years ago. So, you know, there's a real question whether there's any accountability here in reality. Um, you know, in the wait a second, wait, wait, I want to follow deal. up. Uh, yeah. I want to follow up on what you just said. You're saying that their profits will grow. What do you mean? I'm saying when you have a fortune that's more than $11 billion, you know, just from your investments alone, from interest, even if you bought, you know, T-bills, you know, treasury bills from the federal government, you're earning so much money every year from your investments. And, and so it's not like the staffers are going to send a wire over tomorrow for $6 billion. They have 18 years to pay a lot of the money. That means that the, the, the impact on them, on their day-to-day lives, on the number of dollars in their bank account is way, way, way smaller than it first appears. In 2019... And, and in, in literal dollar terms... Go ahead. No, go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, just you know, in literal dollar terms, their fortune is not going to shrink, and it probably will, will, will grow even larger. And so you know, when we ask the question, have the Sacklers paid... Uh, you know, is is this a big judgment for them? Is this going to change their lives? The answer is is probably not. And then the question becomes, how did they get such a sweetheart deal? Um, and you know, there, there's a couple things to say about that. The first, you know, the original judge in this case was handpicked by the Sacklers. They did this weak, crazy legal maneuver where they changed their headquarters at the last minute to White Plains, New York, because there was only one bankruptcy judge in that district. And, uh, and then that judge ended up being very favorable for the Sacklers. He announced during the case it would be his last case ever. He was retiring. And then since retiring, he got a job with one of the law firms representing the Sacklers. That's number one. Number two, and this is really important for people to understand, the Sacklers had a giant fortune, most of which is held in offshore accounts. A lot of it's in the Isle of Jersey in the English Channel. And it is beyond the reach of U.S. government prosecutors. So the, the Sacklers said in the court case, they made the argument, hey, if you don't take this deal, it doesn't matter what judgment you get against us in the future. Maybe a court will award you $30 billion. You're not going to get a cent because all the money is offshore and you can't get at it. So the Sacklers had this really big leverage in the negotiation, which is that their money was protected. U.S. regulators could not get at their money. And for that reason, they said, hey, if you don't take this deal, you're going to get nothing. So you know, the, the, those two things are really important to, to, to point out. Yeah. And, two and, then, you know, the, and then the other thing, which, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, and then, and then the third thing, you know, how did this deal come, come about? You know, they, they, they use this kind of novel legal procedure to uh, insulate themselves from any future civil prosecution. And the reason that it is raising eyebrows is because they have this company that went bankrupt. Well, they, they extracted all the money out of the company. So it was really like a shell. And then as part of the bankruptcy agreement, they said, you know, you can't ever go after us as if the family had declared bankruptcy, because it's normal when you declare bankruptcy, you know, people can't go after you for, for civil judgments. But in this case, the family did not declare bankruptcy and far from being bankrupt. They remain among the very richest people in the history of the world, and they're going to remain so for for generations to come.
2019, the investigative news organization ProPublica published video of Dr. Richard Sackler of Purdue Pharma, the maker of OxyContin. A part of his deposition he gave in 2015 lawsuit in Kentucky, uh, we're going to play a clip of. The company waged a three-year legal battle to keep the video secret. Sackler was questioned by attorney Tyler Thompson. Sitting here today, uh, after all you've come to learn as a witness, do you believe Purdue's conduct in marketing and promoting OxyContin in Kentucky caused any of the prescription drug addiction problems now plaguing the Commonwealth? I don't believe so. Sitting here today, after all you've come to learn as a witness, do you believe that Purdue's conduct in Kentucky has led to an excessive or unnecessary amount of opioids being located throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky? I don't believe so. Do you believe that any of Purdue's conduct has led to an increase in people being addicted in the Commonwealth of Kentucky? No. Dr. Richard Sackler was chairman and president of Purdue Pharma, the maker of OxyContin. Um, Ed Bish, you lost your son in 2001 at the age of 18. Your response to what he says in this testimony that was long concealed. I'm glad that it got out. It saw a lot light of day. A lot more documents are going to see the light of day. Am I surprised? Not even a little. How he sleeps at night, I don't know. The crimes are well documented. Chris has written some great articles. Um, Dope Sick on Hulu, Crime of the Century on HBO. And on August 10th, Painkiller is going to show on Netflix. 2003, the very first book documenting their crimes, Painkiller, was published. 2001 was the very first congressional hearing on OxyContin deaths. 2001, I went to that hearing. And, you know, I read the headline, Purdue going out business. And, oh, finally, as soon as I started reading it and I saw the Sacklers are demanding immunity, I said, this is a bankruptcy scam. And that's one thing this, this, uh, bankruptcy scam has exposed the crazy bankruptcy laws like judge shopping, like these third party releases. And I hope it does go to the Supreme Court and they do the right thing. Will they? I have no idea. Um, The only thing that can make up for this travesty is DOJ, do your job, follow the evidence. Mara Healy says she's seen the evidence. She was an attorney general, and they should prosecute. And so I I pray every night that they do their job. Christopher Glazek, um, we're going to do part two of this discussion and post it at democracynow.org. But I wanted to ask you about the many organizations that have dropped the Sackler name from buildings like the Guggenheim, like the Louvre, most recently Oxford University. Can you talk about the significance of this? And also, uh, you know, just the fact that you say their wealth is ever increasing in their offshore accounts. Yeah, well, so there's one provision um, in the bankruptcy agreement, which is quite interesting and important. And it says that any institution that has the Sackler name on it 
can take down the name and the Sacklers cannot challenge that, even if they had some contracts and prior agreement. And there, you've seen over the last few years, in the wake of media coverage and activism, there's been this kind of domino effect of first museums and then universities taking down the Sackler name. And it was really interesting to see this process play out. You know, I wrote this piece. There were other articles. There was a lot of media attention around the Sacklers in late 2017. At first, you know, I called all these museums and they said, we're not doing anything. We're not taking this down. This isn't our business. I called universities, you know, Yale. And, you know, they, they said, no, no, thank you. Um, and then the activism started. And, you know, there had always been activism. But, you know, Nan Golden in particular in the art world conducted a series of really public actions that got a lot of media attention and really hit the sappers where it hurts. And she, you know, using her own influence in the art world and gathering all these people together, essentially forced a lot of museums to take down the name. Chris Blaze, I'm going to have to leave it there, but we're going to talk about that activism in part two. Thank you so much for being with us, investigative reporter and Ed Bish, founder of Relatives Against Purdue Pharma. I'm Amy. Any times when you can donate to so many different things, free speech is a place to put your money. You get so much information. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So we're going to go to um, something. Something called Akashic Records Ether Pre Manifest. And this is how can the Akashic Records hold the boundless energy and information of every soul's past, present, and possible futures? Rohini Moradi discusses how she discovered the Akashic Records by accident and how through the strategy of losing her infant, coupled with a near-death experience of her own, she learned to go beyond the physical body. Maradi shares her experiences and insight, offering her perspective on how we can interact with the Akashic Records to heal, empower, and manifest. And I'm just remembering again what Mother said that, and this is, counts for animals too in our lives who've gone over the rainbow people too. But um, because of this enormous shift of um, realms, we're in multiversal realms, many places at once and nowhere at all, as Mother always says. People who go over the rainbow, animals who go over the rainbow, they can choose to come back in a perfectly, I mean, recognizable, the body they came from, and completely well and whole. And uh, as one so chooses, we can live forever. And I don't know anybody else that knows somebody that's 20,000 years old, like Leonara is, Rama. Do you? No. <laughs> so let's see what this 
uh, and we send good vibrations for um, Rainbird's brother and Penny's brother and all those involved in the family and extended friends uh, for uh, a, a, a wonderful uh, celebration, as we have learned many times, is what people do, celebrating the lives of these people. So here we go. This is, oh, excuse me, this is 40 minutes. Yes. Welcome to this edition of Beyond Belief. I'm George Norrie, and we've got a great guest for you tonight. Rohini Moradi is the founder of the community and podcast called Magic Inclined. And after a near-death experience that eventually took the life of her young baby girl, Rohini began her self-healing journey. Now she is an Akashic Records teacher and an explorer. Welcome to Beyond Belief, Rohini. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's an honor to be with you. How did your little daughter go? Well, um, she passed away from SIDS. So at two months old, one night she went to bed and just didn't wake up the next day. As a parent, I feel for you. Thank you. Did you have any notice that there was something wrong? Or you just went into the room and there she was? Yeah, we had noticed, but I didn't really realize what that notice was until... It was too late. Yeah. And during her birth, we both lost our breath. Um, Our heart rate dropped below comfort levels. I left my body. Were you in danger? We were both in danger of dying when she was being born. Um, We got rushed to the emergency C-section room and the doctors were panicking. And at a certain point, like... Were you alert? I was, but then I left my body and I became more alert. Um, I was just in panic mode and up until the point that I was above myself looking down. Right. As I was doing that, I... Classic near-death experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What got you back into your body? I felt love. I felt like a lot of love. And I saw myself and uh, (laughs) I don't want to cry, but for the first time in a really long time, maybe ever, um, I loved myself and my life prior to that I didn't want to live my life I didn't you know there was just something this deep unhappiness within me but seeing myself as the human that I am and knowing that I'm I'm beyond this human but this human is important and special made me did you understand what was happening to you no (laughs) you had no idea I had no idea you didn't know if you were dead, alive, or what, right? I had no idea. I just saw people screaming and panicking. And as I'm going up and I'm seeing myself while people are screaming and, and panicking, um, yeah, my life changed in an instant. I came back and I was just on cloud nine. And I know this is common for um, mothers who just like have their babies. You know, she was born, she was on my chest. And it was beyond that because I had my daughter, um, Pele. Uh, prior to that too. I know that feeling of love you feel for your child for the first time. This was different. There's like a whole layer of appreciation that I 
had never felt. Um, but meeting her for the first time too, it felt like a kindred spirit. Are you still in touch home. with her now? You know, I am not because um, when we were in India to surrender her ashes, we saw the same astrologer who had given the premonition the year before and we told him what happened. And he looked at my relationship or me and my husband's relationship with her and um, realized that we need to let her go. It's like, you need to stop calling on her so much and you need to let her go on her soul's journey. Like she came to wake you up so that you can live your life and calling on her constantly and trying to like get these answers is depriving you of fully doing what you need to do. Akashic records, hmm? what are they? There are many different ways of explaining it, but the one that makes the most sense to me it's just astral bodies of light that contain information from past, present, and possible future. Who records these? Well, we do as we live, and the trees do as they breathe. It's it's pretty much um, ether pre-manifest. So if you could imagine energy continuously being regenerated through different lives, um, it's that energy behind the life. Remember the movie The Truman Show? You know, I do. I don't remember. There was a recording of everything yeah. he did in his life. Mm-hmm. And later on, almost like the Akashic Records, yeah. they played them back. So wow. when he was six, he did something. They played it back. When he was 15, they played it back. Mm-hmm. Is that what the Akashic Records are? Where it's almost like a history of our life? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and the the planet's life and the universe's life. It's just, it's the energy behind it all. And when we're up to make our maker, mm-hmm. do they pull out the Akashic records? You know, I don't You know. did this, <laughs> you did that. I, I actually don't know if I'll ever know that personally in this lifetime. I, and I do firmly believe that while we are in these bodies, like um, having information like that is really difficult. We're not supposed to know what happened so that we can fully be humans now. How did you discover these records? Well, it was by accident, but through the tragedy of losing my daughter. Um, It's an incredible story, actually. And I keep having to retell myself the different events that took place Mm -hmm. because it's unbelievable to me still how this all happened. But after her passing, uh, my first instinct was to take her ashes um, back to India and um, give them to the Ganges. And this is like a pretty uh, popular custom in India. After someone passes, you return their body to the Ganges. And this is supposed to help them ascend to their next level and, you know, clear their path in a way. Interesting. So I really wanted to do that for her. The thought of her came about when we were in India in a really small town called Rishikesh. Um, I had this astrology reading that uh, pretty much like gave us the premonition that she would come into our lives, but didn't give the full story of what would happen. Um, so we named her Rishi after the town Rishi Kesh. Now, did you know about the Akashic Records at that time? No, not at all. Nothing. So after she passed away, I had never even heard of it until months after she passed. But the, about nine days after she passed away, there was this magnif- magnificent full moon. And my husband and I and a few friends of ours um, went 
to the backyard and just like prayed and asked for some type of communication with her because we wanted to make sure she was okay. And sure. We were course. in pain. And, um, did so, you go to a medium or anything like that? No, I didn't. You know. I didn't really do stuff like that then. And, um, that same night, it so happens that a woman that we don't know, um, it's actually my husband's sister's husband's co-worker, so far enough removed where we couldn't, we wouldn't have ever met right. her otherwise, um, started having dreams about us. And she kept it to herself. And um, weeks later, we were in India and we, we just happened to be there the day, we got there the day before Mother's Day. And on Mother's Day, we received word that she has had one dream weeks before, and now she's had a second dream. So they wanted to tell us about them. And and were the dreams of the little girl? No, they're they're very strange. I mean, I'll I'll give you the gist of them. Um, I feel like they were delivered by the little girl, but I don't think that it personally. Ha- it wasn't it wasn't her in the dreams, or it might have been. Who knows? But um, the first dream was about us being in a little town called Rishikesh that I just told you about, going to this school for children. And the woman saw a school with the words MM and she couldn't figure out what it was. Um, But she recognized landmarks in Rishikesh. so, So she knew we were in India somewhere. And then when she looked it up after the dream, she's like, they're in Rishikesh. And there's this school there with this woman who wears all white that they're supposed to meet. And um, she started Googling and Googling and found this school called Mother Miracle um, run by an an Iranian woman named Shala Etafov. And um, she wears only all white. And we were about 15 minutes away from this school when we found out about it in the dreams. So this was the beginning of the journey to find the Akashic Records for me. We just started following the prompts. Were you obsessed with trying to find out the information? I like this question. Um, in a way, yeah, I was because... Um, I would be. Yeah, it was It was a strange thing to have happen. And somebody, I don't know, having dreams with me specifically in it, going to specific places that actually exist where this woman didn't know about um, really became, uh, I feel maybe a healthy obsession at the time because it took mm-hmm. my mind off of the pain my body was feeling and just how it gave like a little bit of hope. In most religions, they call the good book your record of your life. Yeah. Is that the same as the Akashic Records? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It lives, this idea lives with so many different indigenous cultures and religions, you know, so many popular religions we know now has some type of reference to it where, you know, the whole idea, even like in Christianity with, you know, you go to the gates and your life is reviewed or whatnot. It's, it it all comes from the same idea. Now, what happens when they do the review? What do they do with it? Do, do, Do they decide to send you to heaven or hell? Are you dead when the review is underway? You know, I'm, I can't answer that question because I don't know for certain. Um, but I know that there is this 
um, these studies done on what happens to us right before we die and how like when your brain shuts down like a computer, it kind of goes through all the files. And that's how I imagine it to be, where it's just like a reliving of the imprint that you have contributed to the universe. Can anybody tap into the Akashic records? I believe so. And but I don't feel like everyone's ready or interested, but anybody really can. And to tell you the bottom line, like we're tapping into the Akashic records in all moments of life. We're sitting here tapping in at the moment. It's just the intention behind the information. I'm reading yours as we speak. Yeah. See? <laughs> Chapter four, you gotta watch out for. Oof. <laughs> Hopefully chapter four already happened. Well, how do you tap into them? Well, it, there are many different techniques, but the technique I like to use is directly um, tied to my upbringing. And it's about um, getting familiar with your inner energy centers and kind of releasing the tension around each energy center so that you can open mm. up uh, the connection between your inner body and your energetic body. Can you alter the Akashic records? Um, or is it what it is? It is what it is because I, the future can obviously always be altered based on the present. But um, I don't think you can go back in time and alter it. Reminds me of Gene Wilder in the movie Pretty Woman where uh, he goes, what it is. <laughs> what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. And we're creating it every moment that we live and breathe and feel Um so it's a beautiful collection. Do you regularly practice Akashic Record uh, training? Yeah, absolutely. I'm obsessed with it, obviously. Are you? I am. I do. But um, these days it looks a lot different. In the beginning, I was obsessed with the information behind it, the capability of getting to know my soul on the different dimensional levels that I can. But at this point in time, my happy place is just being able to sit and feel this oneness of the vibrational frequencies of the Akasha and just the ether, this life itself, being able to connect with my mind, body and soul at the same time is my preference. How can the Akashic records for me make you a better person? Well, I'll tell you how it made me a better person. It gave me perspective on life. It gave me an overview of the human connection, the um, connection with nature, uh, how what I do in this moment right now, today, will affect someone else tomorrow. So I feel it gives us the overview and perspective of what is possible. If you've had various reincarnated lives, mm -hmm. would you have separate Akashic records? No. Or would they be all in the same book? It's all in the same book. It's the same soul going through different vessels. Correct. Yeah. And the same, and all the different souls together all have an Akashic records together. Like our connection will have its own record that we, we go and take our separate ways. Are there techniques? To tap into the Akashic Records? Absolutely. Explain what they could be. Yeah, uh, meditation. And after you get really good at meditation, which doesn't happen too often, meditation is a practice of life. Absolutely. But it's the intention you, behind, you build behind the practice of meditation and that 
that intention um, can be achieved without meditation after practice. Um, another way that I've discovered and I'm absolutely in love with these days is using frequencies, different frequencies. And this actually happened by accident while I was um, in the middle of teaching some of my students during a training. Um, I started getting obsessed with plant frequency and recording the different frequencies plants emit and converting that into musical notes. And I realized when I put those frequencies in the theta state, it helps my students achieve that connection a lot faster. Well, plants have a, a live basis. Yeah. Do you remember Cleve Baxter? Do you ever remember his work? No, actually. He would hook up plants to electrodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he did an experiment one day where he had a plant with an electrode all hooked up. Mm-hmm. And we could see the beep of the, almost like the heartbeat of the plant. Yeah. You know, beep, 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 beep. Had another plant next to that plant mm-hmm. and sent a guy in who shredded that plant. Oh, pulled it out of the little vase and chopped it up and everything else. The beep on the other plant that was there as a witness went beep, 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 beep. And then he left and it calmed down again. Yeah. He came back into the room and it picked up again. It tells you plants have an intelligence. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they are communicating. Think of that the next time you bite into a carrot, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll try not to. (laughs) Is there anything about the records that somebody should be embarrassed about? No, not at all. The one thing that I've learned through the my personal exploration and through um, guiding my students is that The things that we think are embarrassing or the things we're not proud of ourselves about are viewed as a third person. And there's like a loving um, blanket around that view as well, where you're seeing the person and why they did the things they did. There's usually like many reasons behind it. So once you see what brought somebody to make a certain decision, you have more compassion for them and we have more compassion for ourselves when we view those things within our own records. But they show everything, good and bad, right? Mm -hmm. And should we be embarrassed when the bad stuff pops up? No, I don't think so. I think it's about learning, accepting, and and using that knowledge to not let it happen again. Interesting. Mm. Do you have to be alive or dead to tap into this? Well, when you're dead, you're... Uh, ether mani- pre-manifest again. So it's a little too late. Huh? You're, well, you're in it. You're in that frequency. But yeah, being alive, I think is, and you know, it's um, it's not even something that is necessary, but it does really help a person uh, live more intentionally and fully in their purpose because now, like. Instead of having the information that we receive in our lifetimes, the programming we've received, we've seen or whatnot, now we have like lifetimes of experience that we can call upon for different um, frustrations in our lives or to seek which path we should follow or whatnot. So it's kind of like having the biggest life coach there is (laughs) to guide you. Give us a process Mm -hmm. of tapping into the Akashic Records. Yeah, so what I kind of teach us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What I personally do 
is I get into a meditative state and I visit each energy center within my body. Okay. I open them up and I just release whatever tension is sitting there. Once that happens, I feel lightness and there and at this point I'm grounding myself into the earth. I'm opening up my crown chakra and then I'll go down into my heart and I'll start opening it up. And um, as I'm opening up my heart and releasing whatever boundaries I've placed in front of it, then I will go to my throat energy center, my throat chakra, and out loud declare that I am intentionally tapping in now. And the throat chakra is directly connected to the Akasha. Through, um, Does your voice change? No, it doesn't. Right. But the vibrational frequencies. Can you do that right now? Yeah, of course. I say the records are now open, or I am now connected fully to the Akasha. Do you, you chant? Yeah, I, I love chanting. Give us a chant. Okay. Um, um, and the beautiful thing with Om, too, is when you say it, you want to feel that um, frequency go all the way up your spine open up and then recycle back down and it's an easy way to open up your energy centers back in the 60s -hmm. hippies would do that yeah (laughs) and we always used to think what's wrong with these people but maybe they were ahead of the game huh yeah i mean they took a lot from hinduism which they've been doing for thousands of years (laughs) is there any limit as to how big your akashic records can be no just like the universe, we are all always expanding. It's infinite expansion. And the more you're into it, the better you should become as a human being? No, not necessarily. Um, no? I, I mean, it depends. It depends on what you decide. And, you know, we're all here for uh, different journeys. So it's even tough to say that someone who practices that often is automatically a good or bad human, you know? Um, Of the tens of thousands of people who are (laughs) going to be watching this program Mm -hmm. and are watching it now, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give them when they're sitting back going, I want to get into my Akashic Records. I want to see what I've done since I was a little boy. Mm -hmm. I want to track my soul. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them? I would tell them to go for it and how expansive and beautiful their journey is going to be. But um, the main thing is once you have that intention set in mind that this is something you want to do, you just have to sit down and practice it. And it, it takes quite some time. It's not an automatic, I'm going to see what the whole universe is about kind of situation. Can everybody tap into the Akashic Records? I believe so. If they, if they truly want to, they definitely can. No mistakes? I mean, it takes it takes some time to learn discernment, you know, um, especially with the unseen world. And it's it's a practice. So through that practice, you learn from your mistakes. <laughs> Are there helpers, spiritual helpers who help you along the way? I believe so. Have and you dealt with any of them? Yeah, I have, actually. And one of them came to me um, because of that woman's dreams. She came Right. Yeah. And um, it's the spirit of Ananda Ma who I didn't know about prior to this, but she's the one who helps me and helps guide me and 
Um, you have a bearded man standing over you now. Oh, no. <laughs> who claims that he is responsible oh. for most of your Akashic records. Wow. Now, who would he be? I have no idea. I see him. I have that ability. Wow. So you do. You know what's interesting? The first time I tapped into the Akasha. Did you see him? I saw him. And I haven't known who he is. And now who I'm feeling. He's he's not Jesus or anything like that. No, but he has a long beard. He's got a long white beard. Yeah. He's got a white robe, white hair. uh, And he kind of glows. That's who I saw. And I saw him up in the clouds. And I was like. Uh, Might he have been your grandfather or somebody like that? Mm -mm. I don't think I've known him in this lifetime. Was Uh, he assigned to you? Maybe. You know, I don't. I don't think I've been like given the opportunity. He's smiling right now. Really? Of course. (laughs) And now he's waving goodbye. And off he goes. I don't know what that was all about. I don't. I have no idea. But it's bizarre. But you have seen him. I have seen him. I saw him the first time ever, and that's it. And um, the first time I tapped into the Akasha, I wasn't experienced enough to ask questions or to gra- to hold on to that state, you know? Right. So it was like a very quick flash, and it went away, and I really have not seen it since. He noticed me, kind of smiled, but he wasn't talking to me. Mm-hmm. He was more interested in you. Wow. Could he be a guardian angel? I believe so. I mean, that feels right in my heart. The thing that keeps coming up for me is uh, my heritage. I'm Iranian, and through our bloodline, we have a lot of um, mystics and, you know, a lot of um, magi. So I feel like it's from that time, from the Zoroastrians ruling Persia era. I feel like that's where he's from. Did you ever get into a car accident? I did. That's in the book. Yeah. So why am I tapping into your book? I don't know. That's interesting. That car accident almost killed me. <laughs> and it wasn't your fault. It wasn't my fault. It was in the passenger seat. Wow. It's actually, it's been um, a reoccurring sore spot in my life since it happened. The little old man claims that he pulled you out of the accident. Hmm. The same one. Same person. Hmm. So he apparently has been with you for a long time. Wow. But do we all have somebody like him? Is there somebody with me right now? I don't have that ability to see that. I wish I did. But I bet what I've noticed during readings. Why can't I see yours and I can't see mine? I don't know. So you can't see your own? No. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's all about energy, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Who started, in your opinion, the Akashic Records? Nobody. (laughs) No one. But I feel that it was um, a common ritual in India. um, Are various cultures aware of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do they all call it the same thing? No. Um, I know in Sanskrit and Hinduism, they called it Akash. And it's something similar in uh, Buddhism as well. Um, Their word for it, like, uh, translates to, like, astral light, astral bodies of light. Um, Is it sometimes called the book of life? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Different religions have different things. Absolutely. But it, it, many indigenous cultures have studied. Shamans? Absolutely. Moors, Druids, um, you name it. Mayan. 
What determines what goes into the book? The energy we emit. So, I mean, you can't put everything in it. No. You can't put the Rohini had a chicken dinner tonight. It's not in the book. (laughs) No. These are emotional things that deal with special things that happen. Yeah, our, our heart emits what is written. You help the homeless person. I bet that's in the book. Yeah. Stuff like that. If, it, if your heart was in it, absolutely. So what's the next step for the Akashic Records? What happens next? Well, for me, um, is to continue being a student and learning how to humble myself more and more every day so that I can, I can be connected to my soul. And we are connected to our soul, but my struggle, and I feel like a lot of humans struggle, lays behind trying to take the wheel from our soul and putting that control in our lives. But my practice every day from going forth is letting my soul drive without me having that um, draw to take the wheel. (laughs) What famous people have been linked to the Akashic Records? Well, so many. Two of my favorites are um, Nikola Tesla and um, I love Edgar Cayce, who's the grandfather Nikola Tesla is my favorite, like my favorite person to talk about in this regard because um, he actually had a guru, Guru um, Swami Vivekananda, who used to guide him and you know help him with sure. energy and his inner world and whatnot. Well, he did a great job. He did a great job, but Tesla's mind was prepared to go to the places he went with it as well. He educated himself and just had that genius mind to begin with his DNA. But yeah, he's one of my favorites to talk about because the things he discovered, he would say that he would go to bed with a question and wake up with an answer. And I fully contribute that to the inner work that he was doing with his guru. Wouldn't it be wonderful if they came up with a computer app Mm -hmm. that you can tap into your Kashuk records (laughs) electronically on your computer and it just comes up? It would be so wonderful. I'd get one. I would get one too. But would that take the mystique out of it if it was like... I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Then it would help more people. And you know, that's like a part of my mission too. Is like, Know your Akashic Records. Download the app. Yeah. <laughs> Akasha. <laughs> the app name. <laughs> See, I have astrologers on the Coast to Coast radio show. Mm. And people call in for readings. Yeah. But most of the astrologers aren't doing it from memory. Mm. They have a, they're have they sitting at a computer. Yeah. So you will call in and say, I was born on May 3rd. They'll say what your zodiac sign is, then they'll type that in. Mm. And all of a sudden, the spreadsheet opens up. Mm. You will do this, 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 and this. The computer age has helped astrology. Mm. Why not the Akashic Records? Maybe we are the computers for the Akashic Records. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we are the app. What is the energetic body? The energetic body is the frequency that lives around. Like, is it your aura? Yeah, your aura. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And your aura resembles your inner body as well. So it's a direct reflection of what's going on inside. You mentioned Edgar Casey. Yeah. A great American prophet. Yes. There was a story that he was getting on an elevator. Mm-hmm. The door opened. And he sees four people in there and does not see any auras on any of them. Everything's dark. Wow. And it scared him because that's never happened to him before. 
So he backed off. He didn't go in the elevator. Mm -hmm. The door closed. The cable snapped. And all four of those people died. He had a vision that they had no auras because they were dead. Mm -hmm. That's how does that happen? I'm not really sure, but I know um, I've heard of stories where people know like weeks before, sometimes months before that they're going to go. You just don't know how. But I bet once you know, like your soul knows something happens with your energetic body as well to prepare. You were chanting earlier in the program. (laughs) Does that kind of frequency open up all kinds of things? Absolutely. Yeah. So make you feel better? It depends what the intention is behind it. Because we can be chanting negative things to ourselves that'll make us feel worse. <laughs> but th- that's that's the idea behind mantras and whatnot is the intention behind the vibrational frequency that you emit. Some people who have a hard time connecting to their Akashic Records, what do you recommend they do? Practice, um, let go of expectations. Do you teach them? Absolutely. Absolutely. How do people get a hold of you? Through my website generally. Just Which is? Uh, magicincline.com. Magicincline.com? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and you train them? I do. Yeah, I love it. And have they come back to you with good results? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I feel so honored that I even get to do that just and see the ripple effect of the work that we're putting out into the world. It's been really awesome. Do you find that when you go out, you're kind of obsessed with people's Akashic records? No. You don't. <laughs> Not so you at don't all. Go to, you don't go up to people and say, I, I'm going to do a reading on you. Never. <laughs> I've never done that. I'm actually quite reluctant. I'm always like, oh, Why? everyone just get to know your own thing. Deal with your own. <laughs> and is it constantly changing? Absolutely. It's in constant change and growth. For the better? Well, it depends on what you're doing in the moment. It's not always for the better. Does the Akashic Records also foretell the future? Yeah, you can. Individuals, the world events? Absolutely. There are ways, like Nostradamus um, used it to foresee the future. And uh, the thing with that is once you see a future event or whatnot, Things can change based on the actions that you, the collective or you individually put out um, from that point on. So let's say I go to seek an answer about maybe I have a job interview and I want to see what would happen with that. Right. And if I go on with my life as I am, that future prediction could absolutely come true. But if I change something um, to better prepare or maybe um, I don't know, reroute to a different place, that future outcome will change as well. How do you prepare your work with a client? Like How in, do you start that? Well, um, I like to get to know who they are first. But um, the first thing that we do is we go deep into our root chakra. And you're not a psychic, right? No. Okay. I am not. So I do... I feel like I mainly deal with people's inner energy and letting them, teaching them how to balance that energy so that they can 
you know, they can place it. They can kind of reprogram their computer. I think once you reprogram your computer and you get little, rid of all the old data that's making it run slower, then it becomes a lot easier to start it up and kind of connect to sure. whatever website you're going to. That's the Akasha Records or whatnot. That's where we start. Who writes the Akashic Records? Do uh, we, we do? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're all writing it collectively. What if we make a mistake? What if we are not happy with something we've done? Well, then, what if we're remorseful? Absolutely. Can you get that fixed in the book? Well, no, that'll be there. Um, but what you can do is learn from that mistake and put not, that Not forward. do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Because humans have a tendency to fall into patterns, as you know. You know, We fall into patterns really easily because we find comfort in them. But once we realize that a certain pattern is um, a disadvantage to our future and our goals, then we have the ability to change our in that moment um, going forth. And again, the Akashic records start from the moment you're born? Absolutely. I mean, the moment your soul expanded, you're, when you were a speck of a soul, that's when it started. And um, it builds and grows through the different lifetimes that it goes. Do you tell your clients everything you say? I mean, have you seen things in their records that you said, oh, well, I'm not going to tell them about no. this? No, um, I always lay it out there. Yeah. If I read, if I do a reading for someone, um, my job is to be a translator. That's all I'm doing is I'm just. So if you see good and bad, you say it. Mm -hmm. It's for, it's for their own good to receive all the information that's coming. I wonder. Do the Akashic records foretell the future? Yeah, you can absolutely look into the future. So Um, they may have the end result of things for you. Absolutely. That would be great to be able I to mean, tap in. <laughs> that's, that's the fun part of it, is no future is ever set in stone, and it can always be altered. George Norrie, you're going to get this television program called Beyond Belief one day, <laughs> 10 years from now, or you're going to do this national radio show. It would be in there. It probably was, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely it was. If I could have tapped into it, I would have known even sooner. But you, it might have scared you, and you might not have followed through either. Nothing scares me. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Nothing scares me. It's magical, isn't it? It is magical. The unseen world is so magical. That's the reason I named my company what I did. And the name of your company is? Magic Inclined. Just Sure. Just like the website, right? Yeah. Because it is Go magical. Go figure. Yeah. And, you know, magical doesn't have to be just good, but magical is like like this this show beyond belief. You That's know? right. It's those spaces that we are taught not to believe in. That is magical. Take us to a stage. Somebody contacts you. Mm-hmm. First time. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, um, I give them the different avenues where they could do that. Um, I don't offer readings very often, maybe once or twice a year. Um, my, no, my main intention is I don't want to read for you. All I want to do is teach you how to do it for yourself because I feel like that's more powerful. And the ripple effect of that is more valuable than just going and doing it for somebody. But there are amazing readers out there too. I'm not saying you shouldn't get a reading. Um, it's just my job is to teach people how to do that on their own. So I give them different ways that we can work together 
whether it's a self-paced course or a freebie or whatever it is. But I just want people to feel how, or not feel, but like know how powerful they are and how much they can accomplish. Rohini, thanks for being on Beyond Belief. Thank you so much for having me, George. The honor was all mine. Can we alter our Akashic records? We can always alter the future within our Akashic records, but what we place in it within every moment stays there. So in many cases, it is what it is. Yes, absolutely. It is what it is. Thanks for being on Beyond Belief. (laughs) Oh, that was very interesting, everybody. I know we're all having access to our Akashic records, all of us, and we access them in different ways. Mm-hmm. And inner eye sensing, uh, an intuitive moment, flashbacks, memories, yeah. Going back in time, even though it's something that's going on right now, but it's it's in your records, your Akashic record memory, and you're just like you're there again. And uh, I believe a lot more of that's going to be going on. Mm-hmm. So I think I want to read something here. Rama, is this? Yes, it is. This is from our, haven't heard from her for a while, but um, this is called Ascension Path, and it's from Sandra Walter. So, here we go. Beloveds, and Mama, if we got to do something with that. Uh, yeah, you got to write on there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No rainbird tonight. She's with her family. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So the light, the new light conception we are co-creating is birthing celestial frequencies of supreme source level intelligence into our consciousness and the realms of Gaia. These new light frequencies New light frequencies bring palpable, unknown sensations and an awareness of a unified realm shift as we approach a very active Stargate passage in June with multiple increases prior to the solstice on June 21st. Oh my God, summer's almost here. Ah, The frequencies this week took on a new quality. Some felt exhausted and stimulated at once. However, the different sensations of intensity are intriguing. The new light is faster than the speed of our thoughts or worries or anxieties and dense creations. This photonic plasma field which Solaris and Gaia are interacting with creates a quickening 
of our process and deep deconstruction of the old way of creating. True acceleration at an etheric level creates widespread shifts in perception, in consciousness, in sensations, in form. Ascending souls are conduits of this acceleration and the experience of new flows of light in the mind, emotions, and body is palpable, sometimes overwhelming. Always parent the lower self and um, through these upgrades. Hmm. With the opening and recalibration of the organic stargates, we now have faster, pure plasma light flowing into and out of Gaia's multidimensional crystalline core. As shared previously, we have intense cosmic forces mingling in these realms right through our hearts, crystalline DNA, and fields. Hmm. Um, excuse me, I just adjusted myself. Where did I? Um, let's see. All right. Um, Okay. These sudden jumps in light level are consistent this year. Part of the purpose of this new light is to dismantle our our dense creations. Many are calling this trauma this trauma release something in, to be aware of. <clears throat> the release of trauma from the collective fields already occurred. It isn't trauma release. It's the release of everything that was created as a reaction to trauma in the plant. Belief, past beliefs, coping mechanisms, narratives, past life stories, entanglements, contracts, monad structures, old karmic systems, distorted constructs, and systems created by the illusion of density. The way we recreate, the way we recreate our realities completely shifted in 2012 as Gaia burst her new realms for our trajectory of the new earth. We may experience four of the seven new realms of Gaia in our current physical state. We gradually raise our unified consciousness consciousness to experience these new earth expressions. These realms have a range of experiences 
from collapse of the old to pure unity consciousness to divine contact and refined levels of expansive co-creation to Gaia's highest trajectory as a spiritual sun star. All of these realms are active in her fields and avalanche to us as we match and hold the vibration and intention of these realms. This is what realm choice is all about. The magnetic shift at the core of Gaia is palpable. Have you noticed it feels like a geomagnetic storm, even without the storm? The light speed quickens our cells, nervous system, DNA, crystalline hearts, and light body. It also changes our magnetics. So, we feel the cosmic energies quickening our process. This quickening may also cause anxiety, doubt, or or blankness unrelated to circumstances. The expansive, mindless, in love with all that is, heart opening, zero point, I am present state that we collectively experience during K during K six plus storms is now anchored in the field. It organically responds to cosmic information and the collective feels this thinning of the magnetic veils around their own hearts. I find this exciting as a permanent magnetic shift in our unified hearts will reveal strong co-creation capabilities. Star seeds and hearts in service. Remember, your task of working of walking Gaia through this transformation to a crystalline based celestial expression. Activate the star qualities of your lineage through the master crystals. Flow the peace and compassion of cosmic mother through the stargate of the heart and make it easier for the entire collective. This may be stimulating and exhausting at once. We feel the freedom and expansion of self-revelation. Dissolvement, dissolvement of the old self and the photonic desire to create the new. It is a radically new state of beingness. Weep, ground, rest, meditate, and remember that the energy changes often. It isn't forever. Sometimes just holding the space of peaceful presence is enough to walk through these upgrades. Resistance to change and expansion brings suffering. It is truly a moment to surrender to the ascension process and keep our hearts on the path. 
For more on the sensations, their cause, and what they provide, read last week's article on death, dissolving, and new sensations. Here. Oh, Mm. maybe Rama can go find it (laughs) when we get a chance. Um, So, Rama, we have uh, 17, Mm. 10, 27. Okay, so... Rama, you want to tell everybody what we got here to share? Well, this is Aurora Ray, Ascension Unmasked, The Secrets Behind the Sacred Pathway. All right. This is six minutes, right? Mm, yeah. Okay. Mm. Uh-oh. Is that a commercial? Become the emperor on the throne in your own house. the ages, men and women have sought to cultivate their spiritual side. According to Buddhist belief, the mind is like a mirror that we must constantly polish in order to ensure it is always clean and clear. If we do not, we remain unable to see our true selves clearly and therefore fail to understand the conditions of our existence. The mind is the major instrument in the world. It is the mind that has created this whole universe. The body is just a vehicle for it, a conveyance. Unless you can control your mind, you cannot do anything about this world. And the first step in controlling the mind is to know how it functions, how thoughts arise and how they are destroyed. In the beginning, you have to be very alert about it because there is a constant battle going on between you and your mind. And if you don't watch out, you will be defeated. The mind consists of two parts. One part remains in the present moment. The other part goes back into memory and imagination. Thoughts are nothing more than wordless images or sensations that have been photographed in the past. These photographs are stored in your brain's memory center. And when they flash on the screen of your mind again, they produce the exact same feeling that they produced before. That is why thought always gives rise to emotion. It is one of the best kept secrets that we have in mind. It is a visitor who thinks itself to be ours, but yet it is not ours. As a matter of fact, the mind is like the inner artist within us that creates the entire story based on assumptions and traces of memory, past experiences and traumas. The first thing to learn is that you are not your thoughts nor are you your emotions. You are awareness itself, and there will be some distance between yourself and your thoughts and emotions as long as there is awareness. Otherwise, there may be no awareness at all. Mindfulness is the art of creating space in mind and stopping it from functioning in a habitual manner. So we are actually aware of what we are thinking and how we see the world. It's all about being present, being aware and letting go. This is why it can be so hard to master. But when you do feel like you have mastered mindfulness, 
it can bring a profound change to your life. Beware of the mind. It is not the real you. It is just a series of thoughts, images, and desires. It is like having a stranger dwell in your own home. Be spying on it, watching it, following it. Every moment becomes alert and watchful. Alert and watchful. Don't fight the mind. This too is a desire. And be aware of yourself. Don't go on cherishing yourself. This too is desire. A subtle form of self-cherishing. Because there is no self to cherish at all. The mind is simply a bundle of thoughts, feelings, and sensual perceptions. It is like an acquaintance that has taken up residence in your home. Instead of being intimidated, befriend the mind and gain mastery over it. The mind is a friend, a helpful guide on the path, but it must be kept under careful control. Be friendly and avoid attachments such as rationalizing or clinging to them. It will help you to see things clearly rather than just from one side. Don't let the mind deceive you. It cannot be perfect. It is working against you and manipulating others to achieve its own ends. Do not identify with your thoughts. They cannot define you. You are infinite awareness, pure consciousness. Stay alert. Thoughts are just thoughts. Don't get attached to them. Watch it come and go. Watch yourself react to it. Remember, you are not your thoughts. They are not you. Do not follow this thought or that thought, but watch the space between the thoughts. And don't go on fighting with thoughts. They are not real, and they cannot be destroyed. This is the process of watching. That is aloneness. That is meditation. Once you are able to watch any phenomenon as if it were a movie, you can be free of it. Then it does not matter whether it is anger or greed or lust or hatred. It does not matter because it is a phenomenon. Learn to watch. Just by watching, the energy will be transformed. You will be free of it. And this watching doesn't demand any effort at all. It is not like doing something. Just don't do anything to it. And slowly, slowly, there comes a moment when you are so full of light and joy that your whole being becomes a prayer without words, without effort. A person who can watch without being drawn into anything that is passing is called an emperor or empress. If you can watch without being involved in any way whatsoever, that's what awareness means. Then you are the emperor on the throne in your own house. We love you dearly. We are here with you. We are your family of light. Aho. This is a message to humanity from Aurora Ray, Ambassador of the Galactic Federation. Rama's got to find the song. Well, I'll read just the front page of Aurora Ray's writing. The majority of people... I have it. You have it? Yeah. 
Okay, what's this called? The Skyboat Song. The Skyboat Song? Yeah. <laughs> Is this going to be an experience? Uh, by Ella Roberts. Well, I guess we'll just listen. Uh, here, let's do this, Rama. More commercials. No breakfast. Nothing too wild, just delicious. You never forget your first Oreo cookie.
Sounds to say exactly Irish, does it? No. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's an Irish song. <laughs> okay. All right. Till we meet this afternoon, everyone. Sweet dreams. And see you on the bridge. And Sat Nam. Sat Nam Ki. 13 thank yous. Honey in the heart, no evil. Live wrong and prosper. And it's time. It is time for peace. Namaste, everyone. Peace in our hearts, for sure. <laughs>